We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan, David Haw. I know we'll make our picks on Friday morning, but I'm more worried about the 49ers than I am the Ravens. I do think the Lions are dangerous. What are we? What makes us what we are and what we're going to be. It's our core foundation, man, grit. And what does it mean, really? Like, to me, it means we'll play anywhere. We'll play on grass. We'll play in turf. We'll go to a landfill. doesn't matter. I think it's going to be um, cool to see the Lions in the NFC Championship game with a chance to get to their first Super Bowl. Is it okay for a real Bears fan to cheer for a different team from the NFC North? Is it okay to cheer for the Lions? I will say this, uh, I did grow up a Bears fan, and and the fact that we helped the Bears a little bit just makes me a little happier, so uh, the Bears. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 6.70 The Score. Y'all so funny, you can't make this up, man. Y'all so funny, and I'm telling you, but even when y'all funny, you make some good points. Let's go. And Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. Yeah, you can be a Lions fan this weekend. You're allowed. If you like the story, jump on board. You want them to play in a landfill, they're willing to do it. I I don't know how you don't like the charm of of Dan Campbell or an Aaron Glenn kind of having some fun with it yesterday. I think it's great stuff. I think it's the hype is... uh, is already out there for the uh, NFL as it is every week. Morning, Molly. Yes, happy Friday. And the Lions just let it all hang out. Oh. They just don't have any pretense. They don't have any airs about them. And they're an easy team, the easiest team left to root for because it is the best story. They've come the longest way. Mm-hmm. And if they get to the Super Bowl for the first time ever, ever, th- I. It would be tremendous for the city of Detroit, great for Lions fans, and it'd be impossible unless you just have something against the Lions instinctively, like inherently. But how could you not root for that? Oh, I think it's going to be a fun story. I I don't know if it doesn't die on the vine this week, and we'll get into all that talk, but um, it's been a lot of laughs. It's been been a lot of fun. They're... um, Certainly attracting a lot of attention sure. because of the way they are and, well, and the the kind of down-home element of it. You know, Detroit needs a break. I'm talking about the town. It could use be a, a boost, a lift-me-up. A morale boost. 
The one thing you worry about a little bit if you are hoping for this story to continue at the Super Bowl is that Dan Campbell alluding to the fact this week about how big this moment really is and how things have changed in this boy I don't recognize some faces in this room and you wonder if the moment is becoming too big for them you wonder if even though if he's been through situations like this as a player how his team how his staff how he will react to all of the hype and how big this has become because if it phases you if you notice it or acknowledge it you wonder how it's going to affect you you know, the reality of the NFL is you have your kind of blue blood programs that you expect to be doing well every year, and then you have teams that will have a window. And you don't know how long it's open, and you don't know that, well, if we'll build on this next year and next year. they, You know, somebody, one of them, and it might have been Amon Ra St. Brown, said something along the lines of um, – you know, we started playing well at the end of last year, mm-hmm. and now here we are. I don't know how long it lasts. I th- I'm not saying they're not built to last and they don't have a good team, but that's the reality when you kind of pop up on the radar and um, and you really haven't been there before. You've got to sustain it. You've got to find a way to sustain that's it. That's a challenge. I think that's, that's uh, harder to do if it appears like you went out and you – put this team together via free agency and trades and maybe got a little luck along the way. And maybe the Lions will be an example of, of you know, this is fluky. I don't think it is. I think the way they have drafted puts them in a position to be good for a pretty long time it, by NFL standards. You well, know? But that's what I'm saying. Like, the, you know, do you agree that the Buffalo Bills have been pretty good for yes. a, a pretty long time? I do. But they have nothing to show for it. They not, have yeah. disappointment to show for well, it. Well, they, they have – the misfortune of being good for a pretty long time at the While same another time. another team is great. Patrick Mahomes is having his Jordan-esque uh, moment exactly. <laughs> over in Kansas exactly. City. The, the Lions don't really have that misfortune because they have teams that are consistently good, like the 49ers, like the Eagles. But who is that Patrick Mahomes in the NFC? He left town when Aaron Rodgers got aged out of Green Bay, went to the Jets. I mean, he was that guy, right? Tom Brady showed up for a few years in Tampa. He was that guy. But when you look at the Lions and their position and context in the NFC, it's there for the taking for a while. If they want to stick around, I don't think that there's anybody you look at and say, well, that's not going to happen because right. that guy's in the way. Right. And which it gives them a chance to be, you know, you don't like to hear this or embrace this in Chicago, but the Lions could be there for a while because, because of the relative – Parity in the NFC. Yes. The AFC is much better. They got the quarterbacks, you know, three of the top five guys we listed yesterday are all in the other conference. Yeah. It's four a good of them. Point. Right. Stroud, Mahomes, yeah. Allen, right. Burrow. <laughs> and uh, you, you look at, and it's, it's just, it's just a disparity at the quarterback position makes you feel like the Lions aren't going anywhere. You know, it, it is a fascinating. Um, it's a fascinating story. It's you know when you talk about Michael Jordan and you try to compare someone to Jordan, the fact is that Pat Riley recognized it fairly early that that guy's going to win a title for as long as he plays, and he ended up with six of them. 
And when you have someone that good and that dominant, you you look at that era and you see it littered with guys that did everything but win a title. You know, it, Charles Barkley has become this this huge figure in basketball in um, in the news. I mean, he just is commenting on everything. And he's got an honesty to him that is so refreshing, and it's I love hearing pop culture. What he has to say he really yep. is, but he never won a title. Why? Well, he played in an era where one guy was winning the majority of the titles. That's why. Yeah, and and I think that you know you can look at the AFC six straight trips there from Mahomes, and you can say, wow, you know, he is so head above everyone else that it makes it makes everyone pal in comparison and now you go into Baltimore how good is that Ravens team that is a team that has been dominant that has beaten the best teams and has beaten people soundly and now you can't help but feel like oh the Mahomes magic how is that going to play out against the team that's been the best team in the league for the majority of the year and you don't say well, you know, they're in trouble because look at how well-built this team is. Look how balanced they are. You say, ooh, Mahomes magic. This could be, yeah. the, this could be the stopping point. You're here. influenced by the past. Yes. You're definitely affected by his presence. And the Ravens also, when you talk about what is their what, – what, how do you explain their magic? It's at the quarterback position. But for some reason, you don't have the same expectation – that Lamar Jackson is going to automatically do for the Ravens what Patrick Mahomes will do for the Chiefs. Now, it's it's likely that they're both going to have great games, right? memorable games. But Mahomes has been there before and taken his team to the Super Bowl where he won it. Lamar Jackson, until he does that, I suppose, yeah. there will be that maybe just that little shred of doubt. He's Josh Allen. I wonder how they feel in Buffalo. I, I was talking to a guy yesterday who – is uh, is got roots in Buffalo, and he was saying that just talking to his buddies, you know, they're having an argument whether the quarterback's got to go or whether the coach has to go. But they they recognize well, that's an easy someone one. has to go. Up. That's an easy one. They need yeah. some changes Keep probably because that's what happens when you you run into the same wall every January and you figure out how, how are you going to clear it next year because the same approach isn't working. Sean McDermott would be the easy one there. I, I don't know that they're going to make a change, though. Because no, I don't think they will. They already would have probably begun that process. Well, I mean, you know, one of the greatest coaches in the Still history there. of the game is available and has no job. And I get why, but with the hires yesterday, hmm. two guys hired yesterday, uh, Raheem Morris hired in um, Atlanta. I know he was there as an interim at one point. But Raheem Morris gets that job over Bill Belichick. Yeah, that's amazing. It's just when you think about it, it's kind of a wild story. The problem is Belichick's kind of a unicorn. He's kind of a, what is he? Is he, he's a guy that runs everything. So the owner can talk to him and they can, they can have a good connection. But if you work there, you know Bill's coming. If he's coming in, he's coming in to change whatever he wants. Well, they clearly didn't want to turn over the franchise to yes. him at this stage of his career or his life or whatever. Yeah. So they went young, and they passed up a chance to hire a legend and hire the best coach who's ever done it. 
And they're not alone, though. That's no, the thing. No, the, the league hasn't hired Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's more likely to end up in a, in a TV studio than he is on the sidelines next year at this point. Oh, at this point, with only two jobs left open, I would say yes. But and, here's the question. Does he then sit back and wait a year to get another opportunity, or does this mark Bill gone from New England well, and no one wants him? I think that he would – take whatever options are available to him if he wants to work in television or in the media. And obviously, he would be sitting there waiting for another opportunity. He would be 75 at the point of his comeback. Is what I'm saying. But he also would feel like he's a youthful 75, and there would likely be somebody who would give him a chance. I I, I am, I think, stunned that he has right. not gotten a job and only gotten limited interviews in that we are, are aware of. There could be things going on behind the scenes, but my expectation was when you have somebody as qualified as him, somebody looking for a clue, <laughs> and most teams who are hiring head coaches are in that category, they would have they would have hired Bill Belichick. Pete Carroll, still out there. Mike Vrabel, still out there. We railed on the Bears yesterday for an entire show about passing up the chance to upgrade to Jim Harbaugh. There are other... I, I'm franchises in the same boat. I'm trying to be over that, by the way. We're over that. I, I We're mean, over we, that. Yeah. We had vowed that we'd be mad when it happened. I'm we only referencing mad. it because of what you know. Yeah. What we're talking about. We're not going to go down that road again. We are. We're past that. We are healing. No. Coping we've, we've and moving gotta, on. We've got to let that one. We got to let let or, it go, or we, or we won't be able to do a show again. Let it go. Yeah. So I'm I'm good. I'm glad we got it out. I'm glad we got a chance to kind of <laughs> wonder. Like, what are you doing? Do you really think you're better with what you have here than what you would have had? But what what is interesting is I do know that um, that all the guys that have the jobs they love and are trying to do them will keep their jobs because you didn't go out and you didn't hire a guy that is going to be the biggest personality in the building and is going to just by his nature, well, I don't need – Control of everything, but you know what? I'm going to control it. That 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 is a, an impediment for guys like Harbaugh, guys like Belichick, guys like Pete Carroll. The the thing that made them as great as they are as head coaches, the the yeah. taking control of every aspect of every day in the life of an organization, probably prevents Belichick and Carroll from getting that next opportunity at this stage of their lives, right? Because nobody wants to turn their franchise over, apparently to somebody in his 70s who wants to control every aspect of the operation. Well, I mean, just imagine, if you could, that um, you get along with the owner and the owner knows what you're going to do, and then the GM sends his assistant GM in and Ryan Pace comes in. Uh, Coach, we've decided we're going to keep a third tail back. Get out. No, out. Get out. Get out. I'll tell you what we've decided. Nice hair, but get out. You see what I'm saying? It's yeah. just, it just does. I, but, I, but, I, but these people are doing their jobs, and they're entitled to do their jobs. But <laughs> his presence would threaten everybody working for the owner. Yeah, because everybody feels like they want to justify their what they're yeah, doing their in their existence. role. Yes. And, and he would threaten everybody's you know, job security. So I don't see the commanders hiring Bill Belichick. I don't see the Seahawks hiring Bill Belichick. I think it's more likely that if something happens with Bill Belichick coaching next year, it will be a stunner. It will be a headline, and it will be a team with the coach who fires him. 
to hire Belichick, but I don't even think that's realistic no, at this point. No, the the only one I thought that would happen with was in Dallas, and I just thought that that would be, you know, because of Bill's ability and because you have so many things in place that you can win with there, he could come in and give him the secret recipe, and, you know, you're already halfway home. I don't even know if it would have been a good idea in Atlanta. David, I don't know who the quarterback is going to be there, and um, I don't know if uh, if you want. You know, everyone's well. You know, Brady won without Bill. I fully Bill never won. I, I understand Brady. what they're doing in Atlanta with Raheem yeah. Morris, so I, I I do see why that it, it seems a little bit um, odd to pass on Belichick, but I do think there's sound logic in their approach with Raheem Morris. You can see why they want to go in that direction. Yeah, I suppose you could, but I mean, you know, you just look at the credentials and, you know, it's not a move to win a Super Bowl next year. No, but they're not ready to win a Super Bowl next year. I don't think. And that's the problem with hiring Bill. Because you you need to win immediately and he's not there to develop talent. He's not there to kind of grow over time. You hire a guy at his age, how long is he there? Win now. Right. And so that's why Raheem Morris made sense to the Falcons as they continue to climb. I found it, you know, with the Carolina Panthers, you know, it seems like we just got to know who Dave Canales was when he was calling plays for the Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield. Right. He ascended quickly, and he, I think he's the guy that took the job in Carolina because he was the guy who was more likely, the most likely to say yes. That's a tough, that's a tough owner to work for. Oh, yeah. And, mean, and those – When is he fired would be the question you have going in. I mean, what's, so he gets two years? Does he get two years? He He's the fourth coach, I think, that uh, Dave, D- David Tepper is paying right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it's not it, – you know, he's a guy he's – a, he's a younger guy willing to take a job. And it's a good job because it's one of 32. It's a head coaching job for a guy who's never been a head coach. So that, by definition, yes. I think is a good job. Now – Challenges are immense. You're working for a tyrant. You have uh, a quarterback that was a big disappointment as the number one overall pick his rookie season. Yeah. But but if you're an offensive guru, you th- think you can fix it. I'm just surprised they hired that offensive guru. Well, I, I think they hired uh, Dan Morgan before him. So, you know, you're, you're back to kind of, this is almost like a Bears-ish type of hire where – you're hiring a lot of people to do the job for the first time. You're hiring younger people to do jobs you hope they can grow into. But there doesn't seem like a lot of commitment well, there from the owner. I mean, I, I think again, what you're saying is both guys are going to feel beholden to David Tepper, the owner. And we have seen that before in Chicago. Yeah, neither guy is going to actually be carrying his coffee. That's my thought. <laughs> Didn't he say he likes to hire people who would give him a eulogy yeah. at his funeral? I, unless, unless the man, uh, Dave, you know, Dave Canales, pretty pretty articulate guy. He might be give a pretty good eulogy, actually. Yeah, but I, I think I think David Tepper is just getting going. You think? I don't, I don't think I don't, the times. I don't know. I'm not good I at predicting wonder, these things. Well, I, I just, I'm not the Grim Reaper. Let, let me say this. Um, you know, if you are if you are a billionaire. You are more likely to have people working with you on whether it be your health. I would I would imagine you're driving around in a car with airbags. Like you're more likely to survive than not when you've got the kind of dough that is behind that guy. So 
I, I think, it, you know, this is the problem uh, in America, is the problem with health care. Some people uh, die earlier because they don't get the kind of care that you get when you got You think David Tepper is going billions. to live longer because he's richer? Yeah, I do. Okay. I think it helps you live longer because you got all these benefits that people don't understand, such as, you know, you, you, you got your own jet, your own driver. You probably have your own doctor sitting next to you when you want a checkup. Hey, doc, tell Dr. Bill um, I've got a slight scratch in my Just throat. Just somebody on call to take your vitals every morning exactly. when you wake up. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. To get your You're uh, probably going to last your longer. Your supplements and your vitamins. It doesn't mean that there's not stuff out there for you. And, your, you know, you your, can't. Your chef to prepare your, your balanced well, meals for you. Don't you believe that? I mean, seriously. That makes, the, you know. Maybe. You yeah. got the enough dough. I, I'm not going to argue with longer. that. Yeah. Yes. When, when your time is up, it's up. I'm not going to argue with that, but I do think that you can extend things a little bit longer if you got enough cash. So why is David Tepper worried about a eulogy then? Well, I, I think he just referenced it, and I'm saying I don't think that guy's you – know, I, I think that these guys will be there for a couple years. I think the coach – if he gets to a third year, it'd be a miracle. He's paying a lot of guys though right now. He's paying a lot of Matt Rule and Fr- Frank Reich and toy. Chris Tabor. And he's got a How toy. many coaches is he paying right now? Those are, he's he's keeping a lot of potential Paul Bears on retainer. Yeah. I, I I'm not trying to be the Grim Reaper. I'm <laughs> saying that he's going to be okay. All right, the guy's going to be okay. He said he was. Most of the people who work with him are so loyal to him. They love him because he treats everyone so well. They want to say eulogies. Canales got a six-year deal? He's going to be paid. Six years for for a guy that's ne- never been a head coach before? I, I mean, A who, six-year contract? Who's walking in there with a one-year deal? You know, you won't last six months. I mean – Nobody's taking a one-year deal. I'll be the coaching Grim Reaper. No one's going to last in that job. David Tepper's not driving a very hard bargain if he's hiring a first-time head coach from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers off uh, the offensive coordinator there, and he's giving him a six-year deal, bidding against himself, essentially. He knows the division. (laughs) He does know the division. I hope he succeeds, but that's a crazy contract for a, a franchise that's paying already two coaches just to stay away. And paid two coaches right. to go away. Well, like I said, that guy, you know, you, what's amazing about it, he spent some time with uh, the Roonies, and you look at the way they operate, and you look at He's the way he Pittsburgh operates. He's a Pittsburgh guy. Well, he, and he actually I'm surprised Dave had didn't know a little him. taste. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, the, the, the playoff games this weekend look great. I'm looking forward to them, and um, – I don't know how to feel about the Bulls. That was a rough one that was last rough. night. The Lake Show. And and I don't know that I'm going to watch the Blackhawks again until Connor Bedard comes back because that was a rough one. Too. 19 straight road uh, losses not going good. back to November 9th. I, I hope Nick Costos did not waste his money betting on the Hawks. That was a bad yeah. decision. Well, he, he said he wasn't sure he'd do he wasn't it. Sure. I hope, I hope but he, he saw one team with a winning streak and another team with a losing streak, and he thought that's kind of There's a reason why the Oilers have won 15 in a row. That McDavid kid's pretty and, good. And there's a reason the Blackhawks can't yeah. win on the road. Hawks are really challenged offensively, shut out again. The, the Bulls mm-hmm. didn't play any defense. Le, LeBron James did play and played very well. 
Both scored a lot of points, but they couldn't stop anybody. And LeBron um, made his 20th straight All-Star game. That's remarkable. Pretty good. It's remarkable that he has had 20 straight seasons playing at an All-Star level. You can dislike LeBron James, but you have to have respect for that consistency. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, and just LeBron James. <laughs> just staying yeah, healthy. I, I don't know how you really dislike LeBron. Le, uh, LeBron. I, I mean, well, I, I I certainly don't, but oh, no, I think people no. in town do. Um, but I think that it's it's amazing how he has stayed on the court and played at that level. We've got for that period of time. We got all sorts of signals coming from behind the glass here. Do we He's have pointed Dustin? He doesn't oh, like LeBron. Dustin doesn't. Like and I was raising my hand while I was being pointed at and looked at by probably six sets of eyes. Yeah. I'm, well, three sets. Of I respect the difference of opinion, Dustin, and I will consider it when commenting on LeBron. But I will, I will not consider it in my feelings I, toward things because it's called ornery. I don't know who you would like, and I often feel like you don't like me very much because I don't always agree with some of your wacky opinions in a good way, Dustin. Good wacky, not just insane ramblings of a lunatic. I have never said that. I do want to add this in, too. Y'all, y'all mentioned LeBron James' All-Star game. Just a real quick one. Jalen Brunson should have made starter over Damian Lillard. I just, that's just my I opinion. agree with that. Yeah, this year. How about Steph Curry not being a starter? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Warriors ain't doing really anything. Like, who's yeah. he supposed to start over? He's Steph Curry. What does that mean? Uh, yeah, I don't what know. does that mean? Anthony Edwards should start over Kevin Durant. Okay. Wow. Oh, wow, that's, that's a hot this take. I mean, the Timberwolves that, are yeah, really no, good that's because like of hot take. That's good. That's good. So the West one. starters are LeBron, Durant, uh, uh, Nikola Jokic, yeah, Doncic, uh, and, um, and Shea Gildress, Gildress Alexander. Yeah, I I still think that if it's an All Star game, Steph would get the nod. The guy that changed the game, he is. You know, no. there's LeBron. There's not as a Steph. starter this season. This year. Yeah, not as, he'll get in. So you He's got Steph Curry. The East All Stars are Giannis, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, who, Tyrese Halliburton, and Dame Lillard. That's so, pretty good. Yeah. If Doc doesn't coach the game, is Antetokounmpo <laughs> going to show up? <laughs> oh boy! Always. I hope the fans are nice to Luca in that All Star game, or else I'll have him ejected. Boy, has he gotten a little bit sensitive. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. He's almost as soft emotionally as is in the midsection. <laughs> Been sitting on that one. I see you set you up there, Dustin. Yeah. Nice play. Uh, all nice right. Played. We've got the pick six <laughs> next. We got to get to it. Mully and Haw on the score. It's pick six with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick six with Mully and Haw starts now. What do you make of Debo Samuel's return to the practice field for the San Francisco 49ers? Does it make the Lions upset more likely? How do you explain the running game being a full two yards better from 5-6 when he's in there 3-6 without him? Yeah, I think they're less likely to pull off an upset when he's playing. I think this is really good news for San Francisco, and I think that – it's fascinating to look at a guy who's a wide receiver 
uh, because sometimes he runs the ball. And when he runs the ball, his he has a great ability to gain yards. And, you know, they said he's back at practice and he's doing drills with the wide receivers and drills with the running backs. Those are his two positions, basically. So it makes sense that one of your best runners with the ball uh, helps you when he's running with the ball. It helps you as a threat of him running with the ball when he's on the field. Two yards better? That's pretty extraordinary. That speaks volumes about what he can do. They've got a great running game because, obviously, Christian McCaffrey is is maybe the best running back in the league, and, and he is a touchdown maker, and he can do it. He's like the opposite of uh, of Debo. He's the running back who can catch or run as uh, as opposed to the wide receiver who can catch or run. So it's it's like a positionless attack when those guys are are doing what they do. They can threaten you in a couple different ways, and it's hard to have ways of uh, waves of top players coming at you. So. If you like the Niners, I think this is phenomenal news. Debo means a ton to that team. He is a great weapon. Um, can they win without him? Sure. But if he's on the field, even as a threat, that aids what you're doing because you've got to be aware of it. Absolutely right. It's great news for the 49ers. You have to be aware of him. Uh, Brandon Ayuk had a really great start to his season because everybody was so worried about Debo. And obviously you've got to have at least one guy and maybe a set of extra eyes on Christian McCaffrey, also known as Hippie Cowboy here on the Mully and Haw Show, thanks to his fine work with the uh, guys over at Flag and Anthem. But, uh, yes, he also blocks his rear end off as part of why those stats, Mully, go up two yards when he's out there on the field. He is definitely someone that appreciates uh, getting after it with a defensive back or a safety, depending on who is on him. Now, um, I like the Lions story. I get it. It would be history. But this, this could definitely change the, the, the nice little storyline. We'll get to that later. Yeah, Debo Samuel changed the way teams, you know, fill the rosters with wide receivers. What kind of wide receiver are they looking for? You know, you have you see it all over the league now, wide receivers lining up in the backfield. You see it in Dallas with C.D. Lamb. We saw it in Chicago with D.J. Moore. So his presence alone changes the 49er offense. It makes them more uh, versatile. And, and I think it's also related to personnel. When he's in the field, teams are more likely to go into their nickel defensive packages, and that's an invitation to run the ball and run it well. So the 49ers take advantage of that. The numbers are pretty glaring. I wonder how healthy he is. Returning to the practice field is a good sign. You wonder how compromised he is because it's also something that, you know, was it a fracture? Was it not a fracture? I, I don't know how seriously he's injured. But if he's back at practice, that's it's positive. Uh, it will affect how the Lions prepare, and maybe that's part of the gamesmanship as well. But if he is in play and he is effective and not limited because of his health, then that is a definitely uh, something that will help Brock Purdy. It will help Christian McCaffrey, and it will help, to help that entire 49er offense function at a, at a very high level that it's used to functioning. Yeah, I'm not talking necessarily about a pick six or something like that. 
That's the voice of Brad Biggs, Biggs Time, 7 a.m. on Mully and Haw. How much did you love Lions DC, Aaron Glenn, saying this yesterday? We know exactly who we are. We the fastest, we the most talented. No, we'll bite somebody's face off when we go play them. We'll bite a kneecap too if we have to. <laughs> How do you think that went over his uh, coaching interviews? Uh, does that attitude make a Detroit team even more dangerous? That's why they're here. That's why they have begun uh, to look like a team that, that is the class of the NFC North and could be the class of the NFC. That's why they're, they could be playing in a Super Bowl. This staff is filled with guys like Aaron Glenn, former players that talk that way, that think that way, and give the Lions an edge that probably no other team in the Final Four has. You could say the Ravens are deeper, they're better coached. You could say the, the Chiefs are the defending champions and have the be- biggest superstar. You can say the 49ers are more complete. But I don't know that there's any team with more passion than the Detroit Lions. And this is what you hear from Aaron Glenn. And this is what you fear if you're a 49er fan looking for you know, a reason to doubt your team. The Lions are coming in hot, and they believe they can do everything that they described. And because of that, because they have that kind of mentality, that vicious, that vicious lion mentality, and it is dangerous. Yeah, they're dangerous. I love that kind of talk. I wonder, though, like, did he have to go kneecap again? Could he have gone shin? Could he have gone ankle? Could he have gone backside? I just say the coach, you know, Dan Campbell's already got that one kind of wrapped up, right? The, the kneecap thing. He kind of owns that. He might even want to trademark that, depending on if this story continues to uh, go, as one David Haw is hoping. But yeah, they have a good. They've they've got that attitude. You know, us against the world. Nobody likes us. We haven't been there. We haven't done that. This is our time. Coach, you know, open to the show. We'll play in a landfield, you know. I mean, it's just, you know. But, yeah, it's fun. It's fun talk. Um, I, I don't see it as odd that he used the kneecap. I think that's an homage. I think that he stood up there and he was talking about their, their mentality and he said, we'll bite your face off, and then – he, it occurred to him that, the, you know, that's echoing the kneecap or will bite a kneecap. I thought it was a very funny comment because I think he was just naturally saying what the mentality of the team was and, and how they're kind of dogs on defense and, and dangerous ones. And then he's and then it, it kind of he throws a little homage to the head coach at his opening news conference. I love that they're embracing that, and I love that he came back to it. I, I think that's what made it a very funny remark. Um, but that's a little chilling if you actually think about someone that's willing to bite your face off. <laughs> the kneecap, hey, that's that's kind of silly and that's dumb. Uh, on the way up, we'll bite off your kneecap. But you know, we're gonna play you. We're gonna we're gonna try to bite your face. It's hard to bite anybody when you got a helmet on. I mean, what the hell are you doing? Uh, I loved it. And I love the fact that they've got all these, like, ex-NFL players as coaches. I think they relate to the guys. And they give them that mentality that you have to have in order to succeed in the league. So, I loved it. I thought it was really funny. I think they've got personality and they've – 
you know, he's absolutely right. Are we the fastest? Are we the most talented? No. But we are, you know, a dangerous group because we're willing to do anything to win. Great comment. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a big question. What AFC team coach and QB is getting the least amount of respect heading into the AFC title game on Sunday? Who is the most undervalued and the most overvalued? Is there a chance the game won't be close? Well, if the game's not close, it means the Ravens have won. Okay? I don't think that Kansas City is going into Baltimore and beating them by a couple scores. I don't think that can happen. So if it is a blowout, I would say probably 90% likely that it's the Ravens blowing out Kansas City. And the Ravens clearly are the less respected team and the team that nobody is looking at. You know, Lamar Jackson is going to be the MVP, and he's supposed to genuflect before Patrick Mahomes when this game starts. So they've been saying nice things about each other. Um, I I think people haven't watched enough of the Ravens to understand how good this team is, how complete this team is. Um, Andy Reid gets a, a ton of credit for the offense, for the quarterback, for the way that, uh, that they have won uh, under him. But John Harbaugh has been a masterful coach who also has won a Super Bowl and has been producing good teams for a long time. And this is a really good team. And the fact is that we look at this game, and and this is the number one defense in the NFL and the number two defense in the NFL. And and it's, you know, in a lot of ways, Spag's defense has been as important, if not more so, to this Kansas City team than the offense. I mean, they got the great player at the quarterback position. They could use help. And if – if they're going to drop passes in this game, they're not going to win this game. But he can he he is capable of leading a team on a scoring drive, talking about Mahomes, every time they get the ball. And that's kind of what he did in Buffalo, right? They they punted once in that game and I think they had a three and out late, but for the most part, that's how they won this game. I don't know that people understand how good this Ravens team has been and they have beaten all comers. I mean, winning teams, they've beaten them pretty handily. Are they 6-0 and against teams with winning records? And this would make them 7-0. and And of the teams that have done that, 7-0, and they all have won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I mean, there's so much respect for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid that that can't be the answer to this question. It has to be the other Harbaugh and the supposed MVP of this league. Those two guys are getting disrespected, I guess. Are they? Well, I, 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 I'm not aware of any disrespect has been well, shown I'm just, them. I'm just I, answering, the like, yeah. based on the question. I don't think they're getting disrespected, but they're not getting the same respect as the others. Anyway. Right. I mean, it's all about the Chiefs. I mean, everybody talks about the Chiefs, but you make a bunch of great points there, Molly, about what they have done to a lot of other quality teams, that if other teams had done that, if the Chiefs were on the – here's the thing. If the Chiefs played in the NFC or if the Chiefs had been eliminated by the Bills, mm-hmm. I think we would be talking – I think we'd still be talking about Josh Allen. I, I, I don't. Maybe we might be talking about John Harbaugh, but I think Josh Allen would still get top billing over Lamar Jackson. Right. Well, but I yeah. don't think this game – I think this game is going to be close. Lamar Jackson's on the verge of his second MVP and being talked about in terms of – Hall of Fame consideration. I mean, 
John Harbaugh is considered like the most stable coach in the NFL. I thought that if there's anything that could be perceived as disrespectful, our guy Roquan Smith provided it earlier in the week when he talked about Patrick Mahomes. This isn't a graduate level course. It's like any other course. I think he said. He said he was he he puts his pants on one leg at a time like everybody else. Roquan Smith was came the closest to giving anybody any kind of perceived disrespect. And can he back it up? We'll find out. I think Dustin probably hoping that he doesn't. Um, two great teams, two great coaches, two guy, two teams that are hard to um, predict. Like with the Lions, you don't know if the moment will be too big for them. With either one of these teams, you don't have that fear. Ravens are at home, and the Chiefs are comfortable wherever they're playing because it's the AFC Championship game, and this is just what they do. They play into late January. Like their vacations don't start until February. They don't make plans to go to Cancun at the end of this month. So I think it's uh, it's going to be a very close game. Will it be a blowout. There's always that chance, but I would be shocked if this game didn't come down to the final possession. Sure, there are a lot of questions about the future. Nobody's thought about the future. What is the future of the hoodie? Did Atlanta's hiring of Raheem Morris as head coach? Make a lot of sense after Bill Belichick had two interviews there. Will be Bill be shut down now for right now? Or is he likely to take one of the two remaining jobs still available? That's in Seattle or in Washington. Will Bill sit out a year? I understand Raheem Morris getting a head coaching job and a second opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. And I think he could be a good one. So that's almost separate to... Boy, they hired him, and they could have hired Bill Belichick. I don't know what the relationship is like between Arthur Blank and Bill Belichick, but it could be another example of a rich owner who is very involved in the day-to-day process looking at, do I really want to hire a guy that's going to tell me to stay away and stop meddling, which is what maybe stopped Jerry Jones from going down that road, which maybe stopped Arthur Blank from grasping the obvious. The obvious move is to hire the genius and to let him come in and give you a forensic accounting of everything that you do in your organization and tell you what you're doing wrong and tell you how to get it right. They passed on that, and I don't know why. And I can't believe that there have been eight head coaching openings and Bill Belichick is going to end up in a TV studio. That doesn't make any sense at all to me. Will he sit out a year? He may have to. I don't see the Washington Commanders, and I don't see the Seattle Seahawks going down that road as much sense as it, as, as it might make and as much as they could justify it. So this is the most baffling question of this offseason in terms of the head coaching carousel, even more confounding than why the Bears did. Eh, we talked about that yesterday. So what message is the league sending out? We had this same church, different pew, Brian Urlacher, retired by the league. Brian Urlacher left the Bears. Everybody thought he could still play, and nobody picked him up. I mean, what? It, 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 Bill Belichick isn't better than six, at least, at least six of the eight guys that are going to get jobs to be the next head coach. I mean, what? And Bill, Bill Belichick all of a sudden is going to be a better football coach by sitting a year out? I don't, I don't think so. So, so clearly, it's all about Tom Brady. And Bill Belichick had nothing to do with it, and he just sat there shotgun. That, that's what the league is telling us. 
You know what would be a great story, David, since you're all about the stories? And I am too, by the way. I'm not, this isn't me just poking back at you and having some fun. How about, how about Bill Belichick and going to Navy? Like Bill Belichick going to Navy and making like Navy a legit college football program. I got a better one for you. How cool would that be? How about Bill Belichick going to the Premier Lacrosse League, the PLL, because he is such a lacrosse fan? That's a story. I mean, I, lacrosse is very popular and looks like a very difficult sport, but at least here, nobody cares. <laughs> okay, so, you know, say what you want about Bill Belichick and who, how, how the quarterback, whatever you're proposing. It, if you put together the best coaches in, in the history of the league, he's on that list. It, you know, he's not only one of the great assistants in the history of the league. He's the guy that put together game plans, Super Bowl-winning game plans called Buffalo. Um, he he also won six on his own. And not obviously on his own. He had different people with him. And, and Tom is the guy. So, you know, you think about Tom Brady's career. Does he have that career? if he doesn't have Bill Belichick starting it and teaching him all the things. And then by the time he gets to Tampa, he knows how to win. He has the confidence and what you're doing, et cetera. Um, great player and certainly a phenomenal career, one of the all-timers. But Bill Belichick stands alone uh, in this generation of coaches. He is getting older. He is 74 and if he sits out, he'll be 75 and trying to come back in if that's what he wishes to do. And I think he's, what, 25 games away, 30 games from being the all-time winningest head coach. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, I, I think, Dustin, the reason you wouldn't want him uh, brought in to try to build up a team is because he's um, he's never really been a recruiter. His personality is such that some people might be turned off by it. Um, he kind of needs a pre-established team that someone has put together, and then he just comes in and finishes it off. That's kind of what you'd be looking for with a guy like Bill Belichick. I, I, I still have nothing but respect for him and his career, and I think that, you know, were this five years ago, ten years ago, he'd be hired in a second. People would be giving up draft picks to try to get him. And um, he's just he's just an older man now, and um, people look at it and they see it's a three-year plan. And uh, when you're 75, I mean, I guess the only job after three years you're eligible for is president. Oh, my God, what a question. What a question. What do you think of the Bulls late Thursday night in L.A. against the Lakers? How seriously do you take the Athletics report that the Pistons and Bulls have talked about the parameters of a deal involving Zach Levine? I, I got to tell you, man. I mean, the, the Bulls were awful last night. They didn't play a lick of defense, and, and they didn't shut down uh, the three-point shot, let alone make any themselves. So, And they turned the ball. It was just a bad game. The Bulls were bad. Um, but I look at this, and the Bulls are in NBA hell. Um, we talked to Kendall Gill yesterday. He said he didn't think they were going to make any kind of deals. You know why? And, and, I mean, he didn't say this, but I believe. They overvalue their players. 
they think that they're worth more than they are, and they want to win big in a trade, even with a guy like Zach Levine, who is, is going the wrong way. But let me ask you this. If the right deal was there, um, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, uh, Vooch, um, Caruso, Andre Drummond, rumored to be going to the Lakers, I, I, you just start adding up all the names of guys on this roster. Who who wouldn't you trade? And they need draft picks moving forward, and they don't have them. And they are they're in NBA hell. They're they're good enough to kind of think they can get to the play in playoffs, and yet they can't really pull off a deal because they like their guys more than other teams do. That's just the worst position to be in in the league. I can't wait to see Max Levine exit stage left. That's just mean. That's just mean. Bulls actually played pretty good offensive basketball last night. They shot well, but they turned it over too many times, and they didn't play like a defense, as you mm-hmm. said. Lakers, 61% from the field. They hit 23s. And they shot 65% from three-point range. LeBron and AD, they did play, and they did play well. D'Angelo Russell was really good. So that's that's a problem. And the Bulls are having a hard time on this road trip. And it may not get any better, even though they're going to Portland. Who knows what kind of shape they're going to be in Sunday. So that was a tough game to watch if you stayed up to watch it. It was not worth it. The Lakers had four peop- four players with 20 or more points. The rumors with Detroit and the Pistons, interesting because Cade Cunningham is not going to be part of that. Uh, Ivy's not going to be part of that. None of the players that you might want would be part of that. That would be the definition of salary dump. And you could see the Bulls engaging in that possibility, but I don't know where the rumor's coming from. It's a little bit of a surprise in the Eastern Conference. Also, maybe it's a way to try to jumpstart trade talks with the Lakers, who might be interested or the Kings or somebody out West the trade rumor that was most kind of like oh my goodness Alex Caruso to the Bucks would be something that would be very difficult to watch because Doc Rivers would find a way to get the most out of him and we would see him on a more regular basis and seeing him do that for another team would be tough but I don't think the Bulls are going to probably do anything at the deadline I'm in agreement with Kendall Gill in thinking that they're going to just stay dormant and run in place get into baseball questions yes sir that's steve stone he'll be here nine o'clock with Molly and haw all right what did you think of the white Sox naming john schifrin the name's new play-by-play announcer for television and the first impression he made thursday afternoon here on the score with the parkinson spiegel show first off like i'm gonna bring the heat like i'm bringing the energy like as soon as there's a crazy play or anything you are gonna hear it you're gonna feel it all right, guys, your impression of the new TV voice of the Chicago White Sox. I thought he had good energy. I thought he had good enthusiasm. John Schriffen is going to be somebody that is going to bring it each and every day, each and every game. He's committed. He has an opportunity of a lifetime. He's aware of that. He seems humble enough to grasp that. There's not going to be any drama. There's not going to be any no-nonsense He's just going to call baseball games, and I think that his rapport with Steve Stone will be important. We'll hear from Stoney at 9 o'clock, but early results are Stoney's very high on the young man who's 39. 
said he had a special personality. And this has been a good week for Sox News, from the ideas about the stadium in the South Loop to hiring a broadcaster that's projecting enthusiasm, happy to be there, going to be there every game. This is a good thing for the White Sox. Looking forward to hearing more about John Schriffen. The only issue I have, and he seems very nice, ton of energy, is the whole, well, I'm looking for Chicago to tell me about Chicago. That that doesn't necessarily sit well with me. Like, do your homework. <laughs> do your homework. Don't, don't, you know, Chicago likes people from Chicago or at least with a knowledge of Chicago doing their Chicago sports. Case in point. Yeah, I, I think he wants some restaurant recommendations. I think that's fair. You know, help go go to out. Eater. Go to Eater.com. I know it's Shane and Shane's Meats and all that, but go to Eater.com. Um, I, I, you know, it's interesting because this is like the unmet friend. You know, I'm going to watch these games with this guy. We're going to be sitting together in my living room talking it over, and, uh, and he's going to get there early and get the information and fill me in and uh, – he understands that the priority for Jerry Reinsdorf is a guy who is fully committed on doing all of the games for the Chicago White Sox. Um, he talked about that. It, it, uh, it, in a, was it a Zoom call? I don't know if he talked about it here on the station. I, I, he's a young guy with a lot of enthusiasm and a positive upside, and I am, I'm going to be watching the games with him, so I will be going in wanting to hear him do well. I'll be cheering for him so that I do like him and he is someone that can uh, can I can enjoy during a broadcast. I like that idea. Um, I don't know that I need anybody to go out of their way. I don't I don't want to be over entertained. I just want to talk about baseball, do the game, uh, let Steve Stone talk about the game of baseball. I, I think a broadcast is um, an important thing because if you're a fan of that team and you're going to be watching the game with someone, even if it's even if you're not necessarily a fan of the team, the broadcast is very important and you want someone to be able to knowledgeably tell you what they're seeing and um, and kind of pull that information out of Steve. And I, I think um, – I think it's good. I'm I'm glad. There were a couple of guys up for that job that I would have preferred because I know them. But I'm more than willing to to see how this unfolds and this guy has my support as he starts. All right. That is the pick six. We do have the extra point. We'll get to that next. Mully and Haw on the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 the score. What is your pick for the AFC Championship game with a score? And what is your pick for the NFC Championship game with a score? Okay, so I've been thinking about this one for a while because I was all on the Ravens, pretty much going into the playoffs and seeing how they handled themselves in the first, uh, shaking off the rust. And Lamar Jackson is playing at a level that is MVP caliber. And I do like John Harbaugh. But we are in the midst of greatness, and Patrick Mahomes is that guy. He is the Michael Jordan of this era in the NFL. He is the guy that can will his team to win games they probably shouldn't win. And playing at Baltimore for the first time in a championship game 
in in 53 years in that stadium. It this shouldn't be his time, but he's going to make it his moment. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs will do enough to beat Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and I think it will be the Chiefs 27, Ravens 23. Sorry, Roquan Smith, your season's over. He isn't like every other quarterback. He doesn't put his pants on one leg at a time. He is special and extraordinary, and he will be the difference. He is Patrick Mahomes. In the NFC, I think Brock Purdy, I don't know if he's more likely to throw three touchdowns or three interceptions. I have lost a little confidence in him. I do wonder (laughs) if you had to answer that question, which it would be, but I do think that the 49ers had their scare. They escaped the Packers, and I think that the Lions' this moment might be a little too big for them right now. They referenced that this week, and I'm not sure that, that a team that plays with that kind of emotion, it will carry them into the second half, and it will be close. But I do think the 49ers and that steadiness and that experience and that talent and depth will prevail. Purdy avoids disaster. Hippie Cowboy moves on. 49ers 31, Lions 24. Ooh, a lot of points in that game. David's way over the posted total right now of 52 per the guys over at Circus Sports Illinois. Well, when we originally got this uh, bracket, I picked Chiefs 49ers playing in Vegas. I'm going to stick to Chiefs 49ers playing in Vegas. Um, Chiefs 28, Ravens 24 is my prediction. Patrick Mahomes is going to have to be the man. Isaiah Pacheco is not going to be able to run the ball against the Ravens like he was able to run the ball against the Bills. So 28-24 to Chiefs. 49ers, they've lost two years running in this game. Mm. They they want to get over the hump for sure. Purdy is probably the Achilles heel of this team right now, but Debo being back really helps, in my opinion. I've got that game, 24-21 49ers. But, but from a gambling standpoint, I am going with the Thursday night opener teaser. Chiefs plus 10, Lions plus 13. Moving the line six points. How does that lose? How does that lose? Chiefs plus 10, Lions plus 13. There's your two-team teaser for Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I I I like it. I don't think Look, I I I would love to see the Chiefs win. I think it'd be hilarious just the Mahomes tributes and uh, Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl and all that stuff, but I don't think they're going to get there. I think that um it's going to be 31 to 21 uh to the the Ravens. I think this isn't going to be as hard a game as it uh, would appear to be. And I just think the Ravens are a really good team. And I think that they're going to get ahead in this game. And as much as Mahomes is a great player who's in every game, I just think they've had some serious problems all year long with catching the football and with uh, not having enough in the uh, in the passing game, so I would concentrate on trying to make sure that uh, the tight end doesn't meet his moment, and um, and then I would let the other guys do what they've done all year long, which is 
is um, not make the play. So I, I think that's the more lopsided of the two games. Um, I also think, and I know this is bad, but this is what I believe, that Dan Campbell is going to, he's going to try some fourth down play or he's going to, he's going to try to win the game instead of staying in the game. And I think that they're going to lose the game as a result of a bad you know, play fake, whatever, a bad fourth down projection, something like that. They're going to do something late to lose the game. So I will go with a uh, 24-21 victory. Um, I think the, um, I think that Purdy is going to throw three touchdown passes. Okay. And 49ers beat the Lions? By three. Because of Brock Purdy. Because Brock Purdy has a good game. Yeah. Well, the now if it's going to rain, then maybe I got to reassess all that. <laughs> it shouldn't but, though. He it shouldn't yeah. factor into the no. outcome. I just think they've been there before, and he got yeah. hurt. And this time, you know, the, the, it's a big deal to have home field, and I, I think it's going to catch up to Detroit. Sadly. Yeah, I think that Brock Purdy is the key to this game for both teams. He may be the most impactful guy if he's bad they lose the lions can take advantage if he's efficient they win and move on yeah i i mean listen i i would love to see detroit against kansas city i just think it's going to go the other way i think it's the you know the fact that you got home field the fact you got the extra day off i think all that stuff means that those teams are now you know you as you said you kind of had your scare with uh, with the, the yep. um, with Green Bay, and now they're going to win the game. All right, we'll find out, and it should be fun. We'll see what the Super Bowl is going to look like. We can talk about it on Monday. 312-644-6767. Interested in your opinion? If you have a strong one on the championship games, please tell us why and uh, and share with us what's going to win. And we'll talk about anything that we talked about in the uh, – in the pick six, it's 312-644-6767. Mully and Han, the score. He puts his pants on just like any any other quarterback. Yes, he's an elite quarterback, but at the end of the day, we're an elite defense, and that's that's our job, to stop the opposing offense, and that's, what we're, that's our job, play in and play out, and that's what we got to do. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. That's Roquan Smith. He is a stud linebacker for the Ravens in the AFC Championship game, and he's talking about uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he's big, big talk. That's big talk. Patrick Mahomes is not normal. He is not ordinary. He's not like everybody else. But I do like Roquan Smith's confidence. He's got to have it. He plays with it, and he's having himself an all-pro season. Good for him. So – He's the ex-bear on the Ravens that is the most obvious. The other ex-bears in this, the ex-bear factor in okay. the Final Four. All right. All right, Roquan Smith with the Ravens. Pretty good player. Pretty big impact player. David Montgomery with the Lions. Uh, solid running back, moving forward, you know, not the splash play guy. They have him behind him uh, in in Gibbs, but I, I – I Complimentary got a lot of time back. from him. Yeah, he's, he's a starter got steady. Got a lot of time from him. Tayshaun Gibson with the 49ers was here for a cup of coffee, but still an ex-bear in the NFC Championship game. 
Okay. Not there's not really anybody uh, on that 49er roster that qualifies as maybe it, you know, somebody you would remember or spent considerable time with the Bears. Right. Tayshawn Gibson's a steady starter for the 49er secondary, sure. and the, right. the the Chiefs. I mean, Matt Nagy is the most obvious ex-Bear factor. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm taking Baltimore. I know. Right. Okay. That I'm was like, can a I rethink joke. my pick. That was a joke. But the ex-Bear factor is always fun to look at. Like, who who do you remember and what are your memories? Most of them. With Roquan Smith, fond ones, he was a very good Bear. Oh, yeah. Good enough to where a lot of people wanted to keep him. I know not everybody in this uh, on this show did necessarily, Dustin. But I think that he was a very good Bear first-round draft pick who panned out. When you look at, when you look at a guy like Montgomery – you wondered at the time when they let him go, and I think a lot of responsibility was placed at the feet of Ryan Poles. But, Molly, we, we kind of – I'm speaking for myself, I guess. Mm-hmm. I scoffed at the idea that David Montgomery would want to go to Detroit. <laughs> that well, he, he would want to be part of that because the money was similar, but he wanted to get out of Chicago, a place that had been pretty good for him, to him. He was a third-round draft pick. He got a first-round treatment. I, I – I think that's wild that he wanted out of here, and I think that we did not give that enough oxygen at the time. I, I think it deserves a little bit. I agree. Just because he made the right choice. And well, it certainly looks as if he did. This, this culture that has been celebrated was one that David Montgomery wanted no part of, mm. and if he was weighing one offer against the other, because I can remember criticizing veiled criticism or mild criticism of Ryan Poles for not – for not anteing up or making him the offer. And it was made clear to me by several different people that, you know what, the money was there. He just wanted to go play for the Lions. <laughs> okay. Is that better? Um, <laughs> or is that worse? No, no, that's not better. <laughs> he made the right choice. That's kind of embarrassing. He's an easy guy to root for, though, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's a good guy. I think we all kind of liked him and thought well of him. And, um, uh, it's it's a difficult one um, because it's not like they got better at that position. It's not like they did. Mm-hmm. They missed him. Now, you can make the argument, would they have drafted Roshan Johnson without, if they had they still had David Montgomery? Probably not, but Roshan Johnson had a good rookie season, but I don't think it was overwhelming or made you say, wow, as often as you thought. Khalil Herbert? Eh. It's Deontay Foreman. He disappeared. So the running game wasn't necessarily he, bad. It wasn't great, but something it, happened with him. With like, Deontay Foreman. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll maybe we should ask Biggs about that. We're going to talk to him next. Um, that he had a cryptic tweet or two, and he he didn't even they didn't even address him. They didn't even bother with him. We never even heard his name. <laughs> he it, did it not. Was, it, he he kind of disappeared. Yeah, something must have happened, and. Yeah, they're not going to bring him back. They ignored him at the beginning of the season. Yes, they did. And he ignored them at the end of the season. In between, he was pretty serviceable. (laughs) Texter points out, remember Kendall Vildor? Um, Yes, he's somewhere. He's with the Lions. Lions, yeah. That's another ex-Bear factor. Another guy played a long time. He he was with the Bears as a starting quarterback. Well, I was going to say, the Bears gave him playing time. and, And, you know, Bad years, Bears not great. They're they're hopefully improving, but they gave him playing time. They did. When you invest in yeah. someone, if even if it's just playing time, that that's an investment. It is an investment. I I never really got a good read on Kindle. 
Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was, you know, I mean, I don't think you're sitting here now like, damn it, how did they let him go? I know. But, um, but yeah, yeah. That's Deion funny, Bush is on the Chiefs. That's a funny Kindle joke. <laughs> Sorry. And I know that's what Deion Bush. For. Remember Deion Bush? He's on the Chiefs. I do remember Deion Bush. Yeah. All right. Again, there are going to be guys that bounce all over the league, right? But he's not a star on that team. No, he's not. No. He's a special teamer, uh, rank and file player. Right. You need Ravens. You need guys player. like that. Sam Mustafer. Ravens. Oh my gosh. Sam Mustafer. Well, now that's a guy you could have used this year. Probably could have used him. Yeah. That was a bad decision on their part. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Brandon. I did that's not even one. think about all my attention paid to Roquan Smith and what the Bears lost out on trading him made me overlook Sam Mustafer. Sam Mustafer like knew where you're supposed to he he knew the game very well. He was a really – I get it. People didn't think he was, you know, a great center or a guy that uh, – but he knew everything he was supposed to know. Yes. It was a, Smart that, offensive that is lineman. That's a very valuable commodity to have, especially when you think about how that how they lined up at that position, how it went this year. Also, local guy, not an ex-Bear, but Nick Allegretti making a start for the Chiefs, I think, because of an injury. Yes, they their Pro Bowl uh, guard is down. Yes, and he came in in that game, and I, I who was I watching it? Someone had comments on the All Twenty Two, and they showed him really blocking the hell out of Ed. Did Oliver. a great job filling yeah. in, and he's yeah. going to have a big opportunity. Yeah. We've downplayed that a little bit because he's a competent backup and a guy who used to start there, and you feel good about him coming in. But he's replacing a really good player. He really is, and that chief, chief offensive line, you, you look at their ability to protect Patrick Mahomes this weekend as a big factor. But even if they don't, you, find, you figure that Mahomes will find a way to get rid of the football, left or right-handed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a problem. All right, we got Bigsy joining us next. We'll ask him, what's to learn here? The Lions only started playing well at the end of the year. Did the Bears do that, or did that – Green Bay loss kind of erased that idea. We'll uh, we'll have big. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
Biggs time next. Molly and Hall on the score. Brad Biggs. Biggs time. Biggs. With Molly and Hall. Biggs time. The Biggs Report with Brad Biggs. Biggs time. Biggs. His name is Brad Biggs. Brad Biggs talks football with you. Molly and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. Brad Biggs, the football man of the Chicago Tribune and a longtime contributor to the station, as well as a valued friend. And he joins us now on the score hotline, which of course is powered by IBEW Local 9. Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Big Zay. Morning, Brad. Morning, boys. What's going on? You know, we were we were talking about ex Bears and uh, you know Matt Nagy, ex Bears coach in the playoffs. Maybe the biggest matchup in this game is Dave Tobe going against John Harbaugh, right? Dave, of course, uh, a, a great special team coach, good friends with John Harbaugh. They both he was an assistant to John with the Eagles and. Uh, and John Harbaugh goes to Baltimore as a head coach, and Dave goes to Chicago as a special teams coordinator, and now he's an assistant head coach and special teams guy. So that's a that's a neat little rivalry within the game here. Yeah, Dave Dave Tobe's so good at what he's doing. Uh, the Chiefs were able to stop a fake punt with only ten guys on the field last week at, uh, <laughs> at Buffalo, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, those are two guys that go uh, obviously way back. You know, there's a there's a ton of attention that's been paid recently to the uh, 2013 uh, Washington Redskins staff that continues to produce uh, head coaches Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. You know, on and on. Well, the, that Eagles team under Andy Reid has uh, produced a a lot of head coaches as well. Ron Rivera was with Harbaugh and Tobe uh, in Philadelphia in that, at that time, and, and there were many others that went on to success. Sean McDermott, obviously. So you see these, uh, you see these guys uh, run into one another, and you know that they've got a background that, in this case, stretches, I mean, almost, almost 25 years uh, to go going back to when they started working together uh, in Philadelphia, and th- and that's a I'm sure a fun little uh, subplot for them that they'll think about maybe um, at some point during the off season, but certainly not as the games approach this Sunday. Brad, as you look at the NFC Championship game, Lions and 49ers out there by the bay. Which is Brock Purdy more likely to do Sunday against that line defense? Throw three touchdowns or three interceptions? Oh, I'd say three touchdowns. That's the that to me that's the weakness of the Detroit defense is the uh, secondary or or cornerbacks, and they've got one outstanding pass rusher in Aiden Hutchinson, and it really drops off after that. Aleem McNeil. I think he's back healthy now from a knee injury. Um, the defensive tackle can give him a nice push in the middle, but but they really lack a second um, threat off the edge after Hutchinson and combine that with, I think, what are some 
personnel issues there at corner, and I, I mean, three interceptions, no way. Unless we're talking some fluky uh, tip passes, I don't see that happening. So I would go with the three touchdowns. Although three touchdowns is going to be hard for the, him to come by because the 49ers seem to do uh, such a good job of running the football, right? They had 27 rushing touchdowns in the uh, regular season, so three would be a little extreme, although Purdy had 31. Yeah, I, I'm i going to say neither, but if I had to pick one, I'd go with the touchdowns. Yeah, um, it's going to be it's going to be fun. This weekend should be a lot of fun, and there are, I suppose, lessons to learn. You know, listening yesterday when uh, when you heard from uh, Amon Ra St. Brown, uh, Equinemius's uh, brother, he said that they started winning late last year, and here they are, and kind of implying they're at the beginning of something. Um, are the Bears on that track? That that occurred to me because they think they won a lot at the end of the year. Well, the Bears have to figure out the quarterback position, and so they're not on that track currently because they don't have the quarterback position figured out, in in my opinion. But the Bears, I believe they're trending in the right direction. And what's really interesting about really the Bears, the Lions, and the Packers is all three – or were among the top five youngest rosters in the NFL this past season, okay, this 2023 season. So we we know very well about the youth that the Bears have and where it's located and, and you know, the couple older guys that they've got. Well, the Lions have got the same thing going on. They've got young guys all over the place. And the Packers had the youngest roster uh, of all. And that tends to get – you know, overblown a little bit at times, but it just tells you, you know, the number of uh, guys that each of these teams have that could continue to grow here. If you're if you're talking about the ability of a rookie going into year two or a second year player going into year three to kind of t- take these advances uh, in their career where they they really become a better football player, then you got something going on it's going to be a really interesting division next season and it'll be made more interesting if the vikings manage to uh re-sign kirk cousins so the bears defensive coordinator job remains open brad they interviewed terrell williams chris harris and david organzi i believe the on staff possibility also the report yesterday that eric washington on the bill staff who has spent some time at Hallis Hall on the Bears defensive staff previously is getting an interview. What do you think uh, the latest of the latest there, and, and what do you expect to happen next? Yeah, Eric Washington, a guy who originally joined the Bears, I think it was back in 2008 after he had worked at Northwestern. Like Eric been around this area so long ago that Randy Walker was the head coach uh, at Northwestern when Eric started uh, working for the Wildcats. So um, he's a guy that's going to have real knowledge of what Matt Eberflus wants to do scheme-wise because he worked under Lovey Smith, because he worked under uh, Ron Rivera, because he spent 
a lot of time with Sean McDermott. He's going to have a full understanding of what's in the playbook, uh, what the emphasis is, and why, and how it should look. And, and Chris Harris, similarly, right? I mean, right. that's that's a guy who was who was playing for the Bears uh, back then, and and has been rising through the coaching ranks. Eric Washington um, has been a coordinator previously as well. He held that title uh, in Carolina. I think he got promoted after Steve Wilkes had become a head coach uh, and, and left the Panthers. So um, that's a that's an experienced guy who, to be quite honest with you, I, I'm a little surprised he hasn't had more than, than two years as a coordinator uh, to this point, uh, but a, a very respected uh, defensive line coach. Um, so here we are, and we're seeing all these positions fill, and, and you're looking around the league. The Bears will be getting their staff together pretty quickly. Um, have they have, – have it, it's just sort of speculation time. I mean, there's all, everybody's got an idea of what move needs to be made, of how they need – are they really talking to anyone? Is it far too early in the process before you figure out – uh, what's available and what your options are. You're talking about what's available at, at free in, agency in, or in the, in the, the draft, draft? In the draft. There's more rumors than there are. Um, it just oh, it yeah. feels it's like just, it's getting, you know, I think because so many people are releasing their first mocks, it's just getting to a point yeah. where everybody's got an idea and everybody's, but there is no real information, right? No, I th- I think. Well, the the teams have got a, a full college season of information, right? Like I would I would venture to bet the Bears had four people go through USC this past season, and and I'm not talking about at a game. I'm talking about through the facility, um, maybe more. I, you're 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 sending area scouts in, you're sent, sending national scouts in, you're sending cross-checkers in. So they're gathering information starting back in July, August, and, and they were picking up stuff the year before as well. So they've they've got intel, and, and now it's digging deeper. It's evaluating everything you have and saying, okay, what questions does this information create for us that we want to learn more about? Where do we need to turn from here? And so I, I think you're kind of working through that process as you look ahead to the combine, which is just uh, I think that I think that's going to kick off four weeks from Monday, guys. So that's not too uh, far off. So you. Getting prepared for that, and and then and then it happens quickly, right? Because you've got combine, you've got pro days where you can go out and see the guys on campus perform, and then you've got the top thirty visits, which will be really interesting. Um, in the past, and the Bears have had some years here where they haven't had first round picks, but out of the top thirty visits, you can have thirty prospects come visit your facility before the draft in the past, you look at it and a lot of it is like 
late round picks that they might be sorting through. Uh, sometimes you you bring in a maybe a late round option who you'll you'll try to uh, pitch like, hey, if we if we're unable to draft you, we might really like you as a uh, priority free agent. Isn't our facility great? Don't you like our coaches? Wouldn't it be awesome to pick us because it's the draft ends. These guys are free agents and go. Uh, wherever they want. This year, you would expect a whole bunch of these visits to be centered around pick one and pick nine. The two selections they have in the first round is they um, get all the material and time with these players, face-to-face time with these players that's going to be required to uh, for, for them to hit uh, back-to-back home runs in round one. All right, Brad, so on Thursday, Molly and I came in here and kind of had an airing of grievances about the Bears not getting Harbaugh and the Chargers hiring him, and that's past. We're over that. But today we come in, and Bill Belichick is passed over in Atlanta, and you look around the head coaches and the ones who've been hired and, frankly, the ones who haven't, and it's been a very surprising offseason in that regard. What was your reaction to the Chargers hiring Harbaugh and the Falcons avoiding Belichick and the, and the qualified guy still out there on the market. Yeah, there a couple a couple of things. You know, back a couple of weeks ago, when you're looking at okay, where could Harbaugh go? I think that Chargers job was the easiest one to connect the dots with because there's a quarterback in place that he can win with and win with quickly when he sorts through some of the issues that the Chargers have. And there's there's plenty of issues with that roster. Uh, but as everyone knows, getting the quarterback right is the most challenging thing. There's two openings remaining. Uh, because they're unfilled at this point, on the Friday going into championship weekend, you would assume both those clubs are probably targeting a guy that's still coaching, right? A guy that's with one of these four uh, remaining teams. Interesting. The real interesting one to me is Vrabel because I think he's been pretty well regarded and he's still out there. But I'll tell you what, the best thing for Mike Vrabel could be sitting out a year, could be kind of kind of doing what Mike McCarthy did. Mike McCarthy went in and had a little football lab uh, and he would um, study tape, bring people in and they'd go over tape together and just kind of get uh, different ideas did that for a year uh, if if Mike Vrabel wants to he can get Tennessee Titans money for the full season right be paid not to work mm-hmm. recharge his battery a little bit study up on the game maybe uh, network see what kind of staff you know and you'd have to think of it dozens of names like people that could come with me the next time I get a job because you don't know who's going to be loose and free, uh, and then put him in, put himself in a position where he could be potentially, you know, one of the most coveted guys at the beginning of the cycle uh, next year. I mean, there would be much worse ways that, that people could have to spend a year than potentially doing that. Brad, we talked earlier about the Bears running back position and Montgomery leaving and et cetera, and we talked about Dante Foreman, who – he kind of left in the middle of the night. I, I mean, I don't know how his season ended. There was like a cryptic tweet. He was no longer even looked at. And I, I don't even know 
what happened with that guy? Obviously, he's not part of this team. He's not coming back. Um, what what happened there? I think, I think Foreman was probably frustrated with lack of uh, opportunity there at the end of the season when everybody was healthy in the backfield, and he was sort of the odd man out. Remember, he was a healthy uh, scratch there, and he provided some value to him in the middle of the season. Yeah. Uh, certainly when Cleo Herbert was out. But, you, you know, you look at the numbers, you look at, okay, well, what can these guys do? Foreman uh, kind of limited as a pass catcher out of the backfield. I think they felt like uh, Herbert and Roshan Johnson could provide more there. And so those were the guys that were uh, getting the playing time. And Herbert's obviously under contract uh, moving forward into this next season, Roshan Johnson was just a rookie, and uh, that's the way things kind of shook out. You know, I mean, Foreman, guys, he averaged 3.9 yards a carry, so uh, they weren't uh, they weren't putting a guy who was uh, just shredding defenses uh, on the shelf. All right, Brad, quickly, what are your picks this Sunday? I think Baltimore is going to win, guys. You look at how that Ravens team has played. Uh, throughout this season, and it's really been impressive the number of teams that they've beaten that have a winning record, uh, the way that offense is rolling, and and the defense like Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator there, he he could get the uh, one, one of these jobs that's uh, unfilled. He's done a fantastic job, so I think the Ravens uh, win at home uh, over Patrick Mahomes. And the Chiefs, and then it, it, to me, it's really difficult uh, to pick against San Francisco. Take a look at what the Lions have gone through lately, guys. The Lions haven't played outdoors very much in the second half of this season. Uh, 49ers uh, are, are going to be a really uh, t- tough out for them. I, I think San Francisco takes care of business. Great stuff, Brad. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, Brad. Have a great weekend, guys. That is our guy, Brad Biggs, football man from the Chicago Tribune. Mr. Chalk. Oh, so I'm Mr. Chalk, No, too? him. No, no I, I mean, here's the thing. These teams are going to win, hey. and you heard Biggsy say it. Yeah. You heard me say it earlier, it's and now right. you call him a name because he's yeah. picking – He's not picking your underdog. I, I just mean, like to pick on, on Biggsy anyway. That's just good. He has it coming. He earns it. He does not. He does, too. It's a good dude. He's All a good right. dude, but he earns it. 312-644-6767. So, I, I mean, I'm just trying to figure this out. If you pick favorites, then you're just playing chalk? Listen, I get Aren't called Mister. I get called the chalkiest guy around here, so I'm just giving it back. Well. Yeah, if you pick favorites, you're the chalk. You're the chalk king. I think that's more to do with your pale skin. <laughs> you're called chalky. <laughs> yeah, maybe too. <laughs> Give people something else to pick on. Thank you. Uh, no. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 674. Chalk, 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 chalk. This will be an outstanding test for us, but it's one we're ready for. We're ready for. So we're built to handle this, and this is going to be this will be an outstanding game. On the road, our guys are going to be ready to roll. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. 
That's Dan Campbell. He's the Lions head coach, and uh, it's going to be a good test, and they're ready to roll. What what coach would you rather have in terms of the style of a coach heading into a game this big? The guy who is most likely to leave it all out there, take every risk, and if it's fourth and whatever, it's going to be a risk worth taking. Dan Campbell is going to leave it all out there, and I think that you're going to leave caution to the wind, and there'll be a lot of it by the bay. Or do you want the rather conservative – safe paint between the lines and by numbers approach by Kyle Shanahan, who has been known to maybe get a little tight when things get close. Do you want the guy that's going to take every chance or do you want the guy that's going to take very few in a game this big, which is a better approach? Well, I, I mean, we'll, we'll find out. I, I would like, the guy with the best quarterback. I would like the best coach quarterback combination, if that makes any sense. Well, so Andy Reid's won some titles with Patrick Mahomes. That's a great combination. Uh, John Harbaugh, I, I don't think he's won a title with, uh, with Lamar Jackson yet, but if he does, he's already won a title. Lamar has it. So that would be a nice thing to have happen. There's only two coaches that are Super Bowl winning coaches. Um, I think it's interesting the way you're portraying Kyle Shanahan because then then that makes it sound like he doesn't have the kind of wherewithal, if you will. I think he's a great coach. He's one of the smartest us. offensive minds in the NFL in, of this generation. I, I think he's definitely uh, you, somebody with would, that reputation. Would you describe him as a stud? He's a stud. He's a stud offensive coach. He's a stud. But he gets tight, and he he gets a little bit safe. And I, I respect that on occasion because it it is complimentary football. He has a defense where he can do that. I just wonder, you say the best quarterback. Right now, it's going into Sunday. I think Jared Goff's playing at a higher level than, than Brock Purdy. And I, so I, I think the best quarterback may not win that game. Uh, yeah, and the best quarterback may not win the first game either. I, I think that <laughs> – the the um, combination of the coach and quarterback is really important in all these games. And I think guys can have good years. You know, Brock Purdy, about two or three weeks, maybe a month ago, was like a front runner for MVP. And now he's not in the conversation. Um, and, and by the way, the MVP of the league might not be the MVP of the playoffs, right? I mean, if you – if somehow um, Kansas City did win, you could say that even though Lamar was the best player during the regular season, um, Mahomes has taken things over once you've hit the playoffs. I don't know that we're going to be saying that. I think that Lamar is not only like a really good player, but their team is really well built. It's a good team. They got a lot of good stuff going for them. So, including having a week off. So we'll see how this plays out. But I, Kyle Shanahan, I would argue, has like the worst quarterback. Um, I don't want to – I want to be careful how you say this. He has the most obvious game manager among the four well, that's, quarterbacks. That's not even an argument. I mean, that's a fact. No, it's a that, fact. That, that's a rea- real but, easy thing to say. But the, Okay. But yeah. the question is whether or not 
they they can manage the game to the point where they don't need special plays from the quarterback. I, again, I think if they get behind, there, I don't trust that they're going to be able to come back. That that happened against um, against Green Bay because the first play of the fourth quarter, they had a field goal and they cut that lead below whatever it was five points. They if they're down five, they've lost they'd lost thirty straight games. So now they got to win. But did they? I mean, it was like they their first play was a field goal, and that wasn't that trimmed it below that time. Right. I just I would worry about the ability to come back from a deficit with uh, with a quarterback. Well, the numbers bear that out. Yeah. A, right. Three one two says, Amen. "Good Lord, Purdy is still not getting any respect. What does this guy have to do? Look at the numbers. Win a Super Bowl. Well, I mean, the respect comes. We are all prisoners of the moment, and in the most recent moment, that was not Brock Purdy's best day. And when the stakes increase, and he's not been at a stage this big, because last year he was injured, not through any fault of his own. But you go into this game, and that's why the question exists. It's a it's a fair point. Maybe Brock Purdy doesn't get the respect he deserves after a season like this. But in his last time out, he looked shaky. And Jared Goff did not. And to say that Brock Purdy is the fourth best quarterback among the four teams left is not necessarily an insult as much as it is grasping the obvious. Right. He's the most limited guy out there. Mm -hmm. And so he is a game manager. And I think the question that I have and I wonder is that are you better off trying to conservatively, safely manage this game? Are you more likely to win because you do have a deeper team with more talent than maybe Dan Campbell with Jared Goff, the better quarterback, and you're going to leave it all on the field, go all out and take every chance? I, I'm i very interested to see how these games end up turning out because um, if if there is an upset in these games, What's it gonna? Why is it gonna be that way? Well, like, like the implication is that the that what you're saying that the Lions are more likely to take chances than Shanahan is. Are we gonna come out of this if the Lions win and say, "Man, they choked because they didn't have any guts and they wouldn't do anything I, outside I, the box"? I don't think so. I think the only way they can win, and I guess that's the overriding point, the only way they can be a better team, a deeper team on its home field in the NFC championship game is to gamble is to take risks is to, you know, take your shots down the field early and often do things that might be uh, raise an eyebrow, but you are the lions. And the only reason you are still here is because you you've raised eyebrows all year long and you've taken the unorthodox circuitous route to the NFC championship game. So don't change now. Don't change now. You see a lot of guys who get to this point, and you know you worry about that a little bit if you're a Lions fan, maybe, because Dan Campbell's acknowledging how big the moment is. I see people I don't recognize. Right. This is very different this week. Our players are dealing with people they don't know. How are they going to handle that? Well, don't acknowledge it, first of all. <laughs> Try to ignore it. Pretend like you're at Ford Field and you're playing with house money and just go after it. That's your best chance to win. Let's try Kevin. Kevin is in Roseland. Hi, Kevin. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Kevin. Um, yeah, I have a trade scenario. Um, the Bears could take Caleb Williams with the number one pick, and with the number three pick, they could swap out their ninth pick and send Justin Fields to New England and draft Marvin Harrison, Jr. 
So, so he, you're trading down, you're trading out of the number one pick, and you're ending up without Caleb Williams? No, you, you, you get, get Caleb, Caleb Williams. Williams at number one, yeah. and you give up Justin Fields and your ninth overall pick for Marvin Harrison I, I don't think it's realistic. I, I, I think that's not realistic. Are the are the who's going to give you is that? New England interested in dra- in getting uh, Jalen Fields or excuse me Justin Fields? That's what he's saying. You know, so so you'd be number one, and you would take uh, Caleb, and then I guess who goes second? Is it you know whatever is Washington it May or is it yeah I, you or, know, yeah I, I don't I don't know that you're gonna that 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 means you're taking your ninth pick to move up the third. And you're packaging Justin Fields with it. Who's going to do that? I, so you'd, gonna... you'd make the deal if they take it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So he's got a good idea. You just got to get someone to agree. I've got a lot of good ideas. All right. They're not rooted in reality. Frank is in Western Springs. <laughs> Hi, Frank. Good morning, guys. Um, a couple things. Number one, it's a shame that the MVP always goes to the quarterback. I think that's a right. shame because the best player in football is Christian McCaffrey, who may score another two touchdowns again Sunday. Even though, diehard Bear fan here, and I'm going to talk about the the negative and the misery next with the Chicago Bears, but I'm rooting for Detroit. I have since the beginning of the playoffs. I would I would love to see them go all the way and see what happens. My son loves Christian McCaffrey and will have his jersey on again Sunday. So there's a little bit of uh, tension there. On the disgusting bears that we talk about in misery every week, what about asking Eberflus to take more money, swallow some pride, and become a defensive coordinator, even though that'll never happen? Go out and get a head coach that can actually do something. And two, if this all goes down the way it is. Thanks, Frank. I think we lost you. lost Frank. Yeah. If it goes down the way it is. If it goes down the way it is. What's, what's next? Yeah, what is the other shoe? What's the other shoe going to drop? What happened? And the world <laughs> destroyed. Are people what? still on the Eberflus thing? That was so yesterday. Yeah, there's not. We're moving do. on. Well, we did talk about it yesterday. We're moving on. It was the day to talk about Let's it. Let's move but on. We've moved on. Yeah, we're over it. You know, it's not even that we're over it. We've accepted except- we cannot control what happens, and we're just going to accept this is what's happening. This is, this is, is what's it going the right on. Move. We'll discuss it. We'll find out. I, somebody yeah. came at me at Twitter said that after every Chargers win and Bears loss next year, I'm going to be insufferable talking about how they still miss Jim Harbaugh in Chicago. Probably right. Okay. I mean, that's what you get. Uh, we're going to talk to <laughs> Joe Fortenbaugh next. Get your pen out. Get some paper. Get ready for uh, the picks. These these are the picks. The most important picks of your life are coming. Molly and Hong is good. Molly and Hong, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Oh, it's always a delight to talk to the man himself. It is Mr. Joe Fortenbaugh here. On the score hotline powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. You can see him on the four-letter network weekdays at 5, Bet Live, 
and now we get our chance to talk to him. Joseph, how are you this morning? Gentlemen, I'm outstanding. Championship weekend. I was up early, came downstairs, tried to spend time with the kids before they went to school. They're yelling. They're screaming. They don't want to get on the bus. I look at my wife. I'm like, this is on you. I got a big day. I got a big day. I got to talk to the people of Chicago. I got to do TV. I got to do radio. We got to give out picks. We got so much for these two games. Very excited to be on with you guys today. Very jacked up. You are everywhere, Joe, and you're doing a great job with it. So is this the most exciting Sunday of the football season? I think last weekend was the best weekend overall, but this Sunday – which game is better? Which one do you like more? Uh, in terms of gambling or anticipation, it's probably both going to be Baltimore, Kansas City. And we'll obviously be getting into that. But to answer the question in a big way, it's still the Super Bowl for me. And I know mm-hmm. that sounds corny. Everyone looks at the divisional round and they'll say, you know, those are the best games. We get four of them. Championship weekends only two. Wild card round has some bad teams. When I wake up on the Super Bowl, like I feel like a lot of people do uh, for the holidays. Right, like you get up, it just feels different. The whole day, I'm just kind of floating around. You're checking things. You're, you're, it's not just the betting and the props and getting everything organized. How's the buffalo chicken dip? Is it coming along at the right temperature? Do we have the right food? Do we have the right drinks? Are the TV set up? Are the kids going to be a disaster? Like the whole day just takes on this larger than life personality. So that's still my favorite day without question. But this is going to be a great weekend because back to back we have big games. Where do we want to start for the people of Chicago? Let's get right to it. Let's get to the Patrick Mahomes versus uh, uh, the the um, well-balanced Baltimore Ravens. Love the Ravens here. Probably love them too much. Okay? Open three. They're now trending up to four. I have it four and a half. I'd lay the four. I'm also playing an alt line here. I'm going to play Ravens minus seven and a half. It's around plus 160. Really like Baltimore in this game. Okay, Kansas City, everyone, oh, my God, Mahomes is an underdog. Oh, my God, Mahomes, 13-3 and three in the playoffs. Let me tell you something. That was a war last week in Buffalo, and we called that one. We didn't have a great week last weekend, but we called that one for Kansas City. That was a war. Guys got hurt. Guys got dinged up. Late in the season here, everyone talks about how great this Kansas City defense is. Eh, if you look at them down the stretch, they're not playing that many great teams, right? Oh, two in Miami? Was that a big threat a couple weeks ago? I don't think so. And this offense, people are saying it's finally coming to life. I don't see that either. You've been playing bad defenses. Buffalo's defense was completely banged up last week, and you hung 27 on them. That's not what this is, all right? Baltimore's got an extra week of prep. Baltimore's got the best defense in the NFL. Good luck trying to defend this team. What are you going to do? You're going to sell out to stop Lamar? Then you're going to compromise what you're all about, which is limiting the big explosive plays in the secondary. But if you stay true to your form and you try to limit the big explosive plays in the secondary, Ravens are going to eat you up underneath. So I I think Baltimore is going to be all over Kansas City in this game. I think they worked out some of the kinks last week. They were trying to do too much too soon. I like him in this game. So I'm laying the three and a half. I'd lay the four. I'm laying the alt line at seven and a half. They're like minus three and a half in the first half. I'd play that too. I think they jump all over them in this game. Prop-wise, Lamar Jackson under two ten and a half passing yards. I think they're up for most of this game, and then I think they run the ball to control the clock and keep Mahomes off the field. So that's one prop I'd play there, and that's pretty much it for that game. I've got a lot more prop action in the next one, but that's kind of what we're looking at. Very excited about Baltimore. Uh, first half for the game especially, the alt line, and then Lamar under on the passing yards. That's where I'm going to be in this game. I think you could play Mahomes INT 
as well. It's somewhere around minus 120. He's going to have to throw a lot in this game. That wide receiving unit is untrustworthy. I think he gets picked off at least once. Let's go to the NFC, Joe, where it is very easy to follow your heart and let it outshout your head. But what are you going to do with Lions and 49ers? I like the Niners. Niners open six and a half, move to seven. Market's now moving to seven and a half. So if you can get the seven, play the seven. I think it indicates with the total going up as well that Debo's going to play. Now, even if Debo is not 100% or whatever it is, I don't care. Um, I, I think there, there are narratives and there's recency bias that are clouding people's judgment in this game. When it comes to the Lions, everyone's in love with this team, right? In love with them. Well, here's what I want to give you, all right? Jared Goff indoors versus Jared Goff outdoors. This is just for the season. If I gave you his whole career, it'd look just as bad, okay? Indoors this season, 11-3, and completing 70% of his passes, 20 TDs to only eight interceptions, quarterback rating of 101. Jared Goff outdoors, 3-2, and 63% completions, five touchdowns, four picks, quarterback rating of 82. This has been a problem his entire career. He's playing outdoors for, I believe, only the second time since October. Okay, there have been so many indoor games for the Lions late in the season. They've been rolling up huge numbers, and everybody loves them. Oh, look at him last week against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay stinks. The week before against the Rams, they should have lost that game. Now you're going to the Niners. This is a huge step up in class. And speaking to the Niner recency bias, we watched him last week against Green Bay. Shanahan comes out with this Debo-heavy game plan and this pass-happy game plan. It's pouring rain, and he doesn't get off the game plan. He should have just ran the ball with the best running back in the NFL, but he decides not to. So they end up stumbling all over themselves in this game. But they still found a way to win. And that's one of the worst Niner games I've seen all season. Purdy's going to have a big game in this one. He's going to be able to throw all over this defense. So here's how we're playing it. Niners minus seven, George Kittle. Love George Kittle this weekend. Over 61 and a half receiving yards. Lions really struggle to defend opposing tight ends. Brock Purdy's longest completion, over 40 and a half yards. I think he's going to hit a couple home runs in this game, especially against this pasty, which let Baker Mayfield torch him for over 300 yards last week. And then Jameer Gibbs, Running back Detroit, I think he can go over 48 rushing yards in that situation. He's going to be able to have some success against the Niners for the change of pace. But to recap that, again, it's the Niners minus seven, Kittle over 61 and a half receiving yards, Purdy's longest completion over 40 and a half receiving uh, yards, and then it is Jameer Gibbs over 48 and a half rushing yards. I think he can play the over in this game too. It's sitting around 51, but I think people got the wrong idea of what they're going to see in this game. Uh, Detroit has been looking really good against average to below average competition, playing indoors against bad defenses. The Niners looked shaky last week, so everyone thinks they're vulnerable. I think the Niners wake everybody up this weekend. Joe, that's fantastic. I'm I'm now fired up to start measuring, you know, the the uh, national anthem length and get ready for the big uh, gimmick bets in the Super Bowl. This this is. This is all building toward one of these awesome, awesome weekends in the future. You really sound like it, Molly. You sound like yeah. you're jumping out of your chair right now. Oh, I'm, I, you got me fired up. I, Great. I love it. <laughs> Great stuff, Joe. Get Molly another croissant. Love you, Chicago. Have, Have a great, great weekend. <laughs> That's our guy, Joe Fortenbaugh. I, I, love, I, I love talking to Joe about around the Super Bowl. And, Dustin, how many bets are there? I mean, we we would we've been in Vegas for the Super Bowl with like forty bets that had to be made because they were all good ones. It was about all ten good. pages. About ten pages of bets.
And that's what he's talking about. That's why that weekend is so much fun. You can bet every stupid thing you can think of. Um, I had a buddy who once called me with the song set for Bruce Springsteen, and I couldn't figure out where to get it down. <laughs> it's very frustrating. 312-644-6767. We're going to head out to Detroit. A lot of good things going on there, right? We saw Michigan win, and then... Uh, big week, big month. What happened. It'll be a big then, year. And then you got... Uh, uh, po- possibly a big upset this weekend. We'll talk to Mike Valenti uh, from Detroit. We'll do that next. Mully and Hall on the score. Jerry, you guys had a lot of got a lot of really good players, obviously, but maybe that. Oh, thank you. I said thank you. You are. Maybe that view, though, as the superstars, like the 49ers have. All right, never mind. Exactly who we are. We the fastest, we the most talented, no. We'll bite somebody's face off when we go play them. We'll bite a kneecap too, we have to. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. That's Jared Goff first there and Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator. A lot, a lot up there. to get you uh, to get you fired. Very amusing stuff from the Detroit Lions, and we're Delighted to welcome in Mike Valenti. He, of course, does a uh, great job. 97.1, the ticket, the afternoon show. And uh, and you can hear him. WFAM morning man Boomer Esiason and Mike Valenti are teaming up to deliver listeners a one-stop shop for everything NFL, all the best matchups, all the Football issues and picks and angles and opinions and more. Boomer and Valenti will be giving listeners unparalleled insights and opinions on every weekend of NFL action. It is an Odyssey original podcast. And uh, Mike, it's delighted to welcome you here to the program. Mike joins us on the score hotline, which is powered by IBEW local nine Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892 wild stuff going on in Detroit. It seems uh, in the sports world every weekend. How you doing, Mike? I'm great. Well, first of all, I, where do I send the check for the intro? Good, good <laughs> Lord. It's tremendous. Uh, yeah, no, I feel I'm probably dating myself. I do. I feel like I'm Scott Bakula in Quantum Leap. I feel like I've arrived in a different generation here where it's like, wait, it's almost February and we're not doing mock drafts. I don't know what to do with myself. It's like a- people's pets' heads are falling off in Detroit. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's new ground for everyone. Well, I mean, Michigan. You know, what a story Michigan was, right? Just winning the title. Well, it was great. Yeah, it was great leaving. for me. Yeah, well, it like, was great for me with rampant cheating and scandal yeah. and general scumbaggery. Yeah, it was fabulous. As, 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 as an MSU great, guy, yeah. that, that had to be oh, a little yeah. bit. Oh, yeah, it was stellar. We had guys doing cosplay on our sidelines, dressed up as Chippewa coaches. It was awesome. It was like a bad movie. But for radio, oh, boys, absolute gold. So, Mike, as you get ready for this this Sunday, then it, it's unfamiliar territory. Is it yeah. is it similar uh, feeling in terms of cynicism over expecting bad things to happen, no. or has Dan Campbell changed that? Has he changed the confidence level when you look at the Lions going into San Francisco? There's actually faith that maybe they have a shot because of the coaching and not in spite oh, of no. it. No, he's 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 changed everything. 
Um, and, and again, you know, again, I'm originally from New York. I admit to my listeners, I am a Giants fan. So I try to give them some guidance here of like, guys, I've actually watched games of this magnitude. Here's kind of how it works. Fans actually got over their skis. And they were calling up. You guys will appreciate this. It was like the old Chuck Schworsky bit, the super fans. You know, Mini Dick 100, the Giants too. They were calling up last week and they're going, oh, yeah, 42-3. We're going to roll the bucks. I go, all right, hold, hold on now. Slow your roll. Like, just chill out. This is the playoffs. This is not how this works. But the team believes, the fans, they absolutely believe. And they're bordering on, an, and I don't know how wise this is, but they're bordering on an expectation that they – are going to win this game. It's not hope. It's expectation. It's uh, the last time I saw something like this truly would be my first year in Detroit, which was 04 with the, with the going to work Pistons. It was an expectation. We are going to dismantle the Lakers. They're soft. We're not, et cetera. I mean, this city, the city is electric right now. And, and I think that um, the idea of a first overall pick going against Mr. Irrelevant, theoretically, uh, is a really good idea, and it's fun, and it's, you know, golf could be really good in this game. The problem is the rest of the Niners. The problem is the the right. completeness of the team. So, Fellas, here's the, here's the thing, you know, and I did this topic two days ago. I, I said it's the Spider-Man meme. Goff and Purdy are a lot more similar than either side wants to admit. I mean, not just from a numbers standpoint, just watch him play. Yes, Jared Goff's a good player, but he's in a highly insulated, you know, well-oiled machine, good O-line, elite skill, and a tremendous coordinator in Ben Johnson. Gee, what does that sound like? It sounds like San Francisco. Great O-line, great skill, great play caller, Kyle Shanahan. They're kind of the same guy. You want to say Goff's more experienced? Noted, eight years in the league versus two. But, you know, this idea that Purdy played one bad game in the rain, Debo leaves with you know nine snaps in, and now all of a sudden he should be working at Blockbuster. I don't think that's accurate either, and that's what I've been fighting here locally. Is okay, guys, you spent the season dumping on Jared Goff and giving me reasons you didn't want to pay him. Now you're chanting his name at the game, and the other guy should be paying houses for a living. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just, it's, it's chaos. It's absolute chaos this week, guys. So whose production on Sunday do you think is more predictable because of? You know, you, they are so similar in what they're asked to do, and maybe they are so similar yeah. in style. Who do you think will have the better game? If I had the answer to whether Debo, you know, give me a percentage on Debo not only playing, but right. what percentage of Debo do you get? You know, it was it was really interesting, and it's not a shameless plug, but for the show I'm going to record here in a little bit. The, the value of Debo on a play-to-play basis represents almost two yards per play differential for the Niners. Yep. Nine yards of play with Debo, about seven yards of play without. I mean, it's a titanic difference. And as I've, I've said it to Lions fans, like, all right, go ahead, take Amon Ross St. Brown off the field, nine plays in, and show me what a genius Ben Johnson looks like. So if we assume Debo plays, oh, I, I, I think it would be Brock Purdy. Look, the, Ly- the Lions have made a deal with the devil, and it's the only deal they could make, which is Dan Campbell said it. We're going to give the get. They're willing to give up. 325, 350, 375 in the air. Can we get that turnover? Can we get that drive-ending sack? Can we just get the couple plays we need? Because they know they can't stop anybody. They can't. I mean, the secondary is morbid. The pass rush is below average to bad. 
And last week, I mean, go if you go back and watch, the only sacks they got are when Tampa screwed up their protections. I mean, one one play, Baker slid the line the wrong way, and nobody blocked Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, it was it was like Strahan sacking Favre for the record. It was a gimmick. It was ridiculous. It was silly. So you know what I'm saying. So I, I if you tell me Debo plays, um, no, nah, I'd say Purdy. I think Purdy's got every bit a chance to throw for 350. Yeah, I I think that he can. Uh, he he's a. I mean. I don't think he can bring you back. I think the numbers uh, tell you that. But I, I, agree. Th- I think that, that if you get ahead and you can run the ball and, and you know, the, the Debo numbers are extraordinary because their running game is two yards better, which tells you yes. something about his ability both to run the ball, to block. I mean, if he's able to play, even if it's, if it's just used as – some sort of uh, threat, that's something you've got to acknowledge and you've got to treat him as if he's going to be getting the ball. So that opens things up. But I, I look at this game and I, I just wonder if you go into it, is, is Dan Campbell going to be going for it on fourth down? Is he going to be the, <laughs> the more um, aggressive of the two coaches because yeah. he's got to do anything he can to get points where he can. Guys, I, honestly, it's no hyperbole. And like, I'm not some slappy fan. I just call it like I see it. This is the most, he's the most dangerous man in football. <laughs> you know, you, you tell him he's a touchdown underdog. No one's picking the Lions to win. Oh, I'm, I'm with you guys 100%. Fake punts, fumble ruskies, you know, uh, double reverse passes. I mean, it, it's it's – I go back to they had a game, I think it was week, God, fellas, I apologize. I think it was like week seven or week eight. They were at the Chargers. And the Chargers were a better version of themselves than what you, you know, the clown car at the end of the year. Long story short, they were in a shootout. They knew early on we're not getting any stops. I mean, fellas, they ran the ball on a fourth and six and got it. You want to talk about a level of crazy. I mean, they, they went for it five or six times. They knew. This is how the game's going to be played. This is what we have to do to win today, and we're going to do just that. No hesitation, no nonsense. And at the end of the game, they threw the ball. Instead of burning timeouts, we're going to throw the ball and go get another first time. Uh, I think it's a great point you make because when you play him, you have to play every down. It's it, He's maniacal about it. He'll do things that the analytics tell you are a terrible idea <laughs> and do it with a smile. It's uh, I, I've never seen anything like it, to be quite honest with you. You know, Mike, I think the hope here in Chicago is that what the Lions are doing this year is fluky. And yet I think the reality might be that they're going to be here a while. They're built to last. And I just wonder, what is your sense that this season, regardless of what happens Sunday, is the beginning of something special in Detroit? Yeah, I I agree. They're built right. You know, you win with the tip of the sword. They're built inside out. Um, This whole line is real. You know, you put it in your luggage, you show up at somebody's doorstep, you're ready to play. This line is legit. Um, defensively, yeah, of course, they need pieces. But I think the whole thing changes if they add a bookend to Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. He needs help. He can't do it by himself. And they need a lead corner. But I, I think what I would tell Bears fans is just don't worry about the Lions or the Packers. They're going to be real. The Bears are loaded. I mean, the draft capital, you know, obviously they have a decision to make a quarterback. And whether you want Caleb or Fields or whatever, I leave that to you guys. I have my own opinions. But, look, the Bears can be really good really fast. And that defense is really good. Um, I think the North is going to be a bloodbath the next three, four years. I think the North is going to be what I grew up watching the NFC East, you know, late 80s, early 90s. I, I just, the North is going to be loaded. 
I think the only team that's in a lot of trouble are the Vikings, and nobody cares about them, so that's fine. <laughs> you know what's weird is the, the Bears actually match up a bit with Detroit. They actually have yeah. been able to play the Lions pretty well, should have won one game, won a game. They don't match up at all with Green Bay. It's extraordinary. <laughs> they they got blown out the beginning of the year, and they got blown out in the last game of the year. And even if it was yeah. technically close, they were out, man. They were beaten up on both lines of scrimmage. And and that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, although I thought the, the Packers uh, were pretty good in the playoffs, probably a little too good. Here's, here's the trick with the Packers. I mean, it, it, it doesn't look like it when you look at it on paper, but from a, when they pass protect, they're one of the three or four best lines in football at pass protection. Mm-hmm. So once you take away the Bears' ability with Sweat and company to, to, to get a pass rush, man, do you really hurt that defense. It, it, it's just I think the Bears, look, they're going to be fine. I, I know it's hard to say because they've struggled too. They're going to be fine. Unless Ryan Poles is drafting blindfolded or spinning a wheel, you're going to be okay. You've got so much capital. Like, if I may, let me ask you guys a question. Where do you sit on the Fields versus Caleb routine? You know, selling the number one pick for a Herschel Walker type package, keep Fields, or launch Fields out of Space Cannon, take the shiny new toy, Caleb Williams? I don't know if you need a Space Cannon, but I think we're all for launching Justin Fields or trading him somewhere. Caleb Williams is one all of those right. guys yeah. that comes around once every decade or so and you cannot pass up on the chance to draft a quarterback first overall two years in a row what if i offered you three first round picks plus a player of dj moore's ability that's a that's a well, big dilemma i mean that that that's yeah. a great offer you'd have to take a look at it look i, I mean here's the thing the thing Peter, is i'm a giants fan i'm offering you three first round picks and Kayvon thibodeau want to dance <laughs> now, now that is interesting. Now that's um, that's, a, that's an interesting but, <laughs> dilemma. Mike. The, the well problem, done. Yeah, that's flummoxed. That, you make people think. But here's the reality. The reality is sure. that that as much as Justin Fields has some special to him in terms of his running ability, he is not an in time on time guy. You understand, you're going to have to win in a rather unconventional way, relying on kind of wild plays to run your offense as opposed to being able to march down the field, play football, rely on kind of – I just don't know if that is going to work in the NFL long term. If you had made a similar type of an offer to the Bengals before they drafted Burrow, they might have said no, and they would have been right. A hundred percent. And, look, I think there's differences – my, I know I don't know if we're turning this into a Caleb Williams thing. That's my fault. But like right. watching him every week, the thing that makes it hard for me to fall in love with him is he picked up a ton of bad habits out there. He picked mm-hmm. up a ton. I mean, that offensive line was egregious at USC. Yeah. He picked up a ton of bad habits. You talk about wild plays and having to live on the edge. You know, he's basically turned into Sam Howell Jr. out there. I mean, it's just <laughs> he's getting killed every play. So I just go, all right, how's he going to react to actual structure? Because Lord knows I haven't seen it in two years. But is he talented? Oh, my God, he's, he's ridiculous. Yeah. He was yeah. created in a lab. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And, and, that's, and that's a legitimate thing to work, about, work on and to understand. And they got their work to do, and they're going to have to weigh all this stuff. I, I'm just saying, you know, if he were if you're drafting last year and he's there, he's the number one quarterback. He, he'd have gone first. Mm-hmm. So maybe 100%. you don't maybe you don't trade that pick last year. 
You got to yeah, pick. No, and, and you know what? Here's the key to all of it. Here's where you're going to win the argument if you haven't already. It's the rookie salary structure. That's it. You're going to reset your. You're going to reset your clock. No so doubt. It's all there. You know, you'd have to pay. I mean, the quarterback market's nuts. You're going to see Jordan Love making fifty million dollars a year. It's crazy. Are we sure about that? And you're like, well, that's how it works. And you just you just do it. So yeah, you're right. You'll reset the clock. You load up the team, and away you go. I think Bears going to be fine. I know Bears fans don't care what I have to say about it, but no, I, I think you're going to be good. So back to the Lions, Mike. You know, when I'm sure you've been asked this all week, and you're contemplating what it all means, but they're one win away from having uh, an appearance, make an appearance in a Super Bowl. What would a Super Bowl just getting there mean to the city of Detroit, and how would fans, and how would the city, and how would the people there react to that? It's the Cubs. It's when the Cubs finally turned the trick and, and got there. It's no different. I mean, obviously the Cubs losing was a little longer and, you know, whatever. But from an NFL standpoint, yeah, I mean, the Lions have been a punchline. The Lions have had literal no success. The last trip to the NFC title game was 91. They had their doors blown off by the the, the Redskins. It was 41-9. There's nothing else. There are no banners. You look up to the ceiling. They don't have a banner of any form. Nothing. Nothing. It's like a shoebox up there and like a, a microphone of a retired broadcaster. It, it, so it would, it would mean everything. And I think you saw it with the two playoff games. I know it resonated on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to be pretty cold hearted not to, you know, kind of rally up a little. I know they're a division rival, but it's like, geez, man, it's like being angry that some homeless guy won a free bed. You can't be mad at him. You've been sleeping <laughs> on the street for 20 years. Like, come on, man. Just right. let the guy have his mattress. Like, come on. So, no, it, it, would, it would mean everything. It really would. We'll, we'll let you go, Mike. I'm just curious. What did you think at the Athletic uh, saying the, the Bulls are talking to Detroit? Uh, they're shopping Zach Levine. How, uh, we, we got a couple, you got a couple minutes for me to do this? Uh, sure. We got a good minute. Oh, okay. Here's the deal. Troy Weaver is the biggest idiot in the NBA. And Tom Gores is the worst owner in all the sports. You guys do whatever it takes because you want your huckleberry. You sat down at the poker table and the Pistons are face down. Take all their chips. I can't stand the idea that the Pistons want to take on Zach Levine, whose own teammates hate him. Oh, and by the way, are going to give up one of their core four to get him. Please. I, the Pistons are a crime against basketball. If Adam Silver had a soul, he'd step in and four scores to sell the team. They're an insult to train wrecks. They're a disgrace. Troy, literally, Troy Weaver just had to attach two second-round picks to trade Marvin Bagley. One problem. You traded for Bagley, and then you paid him. And it was so egregious, you had to give up picks to get rid of him. Just kindly leave now. I love Please, it. I beg of you. Great stuff, That's Mike. That's great, Mike. Thank you, buddy. Enjoy the weekend. <laughs> Take care, boys. Enjoy the football. All righty. That is hysterical. That is very funny. Pistons are very bad. How do you think he feels about it? They're a very bad place. <laughs> that says everything about where they are. If he had a are. soul, yeah. he would take the franchise. They've, they, the they've, had a, they've had a disastrous season. Historically bad. Oh. they got a good coach, but they have a bad team. Oh, Awful. it's awesome. That's really wonderful stuff. stuff. Yeah.
Yeah, and I, I mean, listen, I like that. I like that. A homeless guy just got a new bed, and you're and you're upset well, about it. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure how many people in Chicago are upset about it. No, I think, I think, I think a lot we, of people like the story. You know, I think the yeah. story is definitely irresistible, and you you respect the fact that the Lions are who they are, right. unapologetically, and people can get behind something like that. No, no shadow of a doubt. All right, we uh, uh, we're gonna get back to the phone lines three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Do you agree with Dustin who said you're a bad sports fan, you're a bad Bears fan if you're cheering for the Lions or the Packers? He said that like a week ago. I don't know if I argue the Packers bit, but the Lions seem, it does seem like they're, they've been down so long, it would be a fun story if they actually made it to the Super Bowl. They can lose in the Super Bowl. Why can't they just get there? Be nice to the Lions just for one more week. I don't know about the Cubs comparison only because the Lions have waited, what, they've only waited how long before between playoff victories. I mean, everything that the Lions have waited for, the Cub fan would consider a good start. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 the score. You got to be pretty cold-hearted not to, you know, kind of rally up a little. I know they're a division rival, but it's like, geez, man. It's like being angry that some homeless guy won a free bed. You can't be mad at him. He's been sleeping <laughs> on the street for 20 years. Like, come on, man. That's Just right. let the guy have his mattress. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. That's fun, Mike Valente. It's a lot of fun. Um, and we're going to talk about the games this week, and we'll get to your calls about the Lions. But I want to start with this. The... Um, the NFL, in its wisdom, is uh, has made the referee assignments for the NFL conference championship games, and the Ravens Chiefs game will be refereed by Sean Smith. He's in his ninth year uh, as a as an official, his sixth year as a referee. This is his first championship game, and what's interesting about it, it and um, and I, I don't know what this means to you, but in the last three years, um, home teams tend to win 55.9% of their games unless uh, Sean Smith is uh, the lead official. Uh, and this is according to Warren Sharp, uh, who is with uh, Sharp Football. And he says um, when he is the official, the home team – Cover rate drops um, to uh, – right, first, first, let's talk about the win rate. The win rate goes from 55.9 with other referees to 40.8 with him officiating. He, he tends to give the road team the break is the idea. So with other refs, home teams cover the spread 50.1% of the time. But when Smith is officiating – they cover the spread 37% of hmm. the home team. Uh, yeah, is only is 37%. So it could be a coincidence that teams lose, or it could mean that there's just some weird penalty trend where the heck of an they, accusation. They have a, they have, or you implication. know, I, I mean, these are the numbers yeah. that they break down that, yeah. you know, everybody is looking at officials right. and David, if it, let's just say, you want the Swifties watching the Super Bowl. The way to do it isn't to try to fix the game. It's to 
send an official in who might be more sympathetic to the away team than the home team. I, and I'm I'm not suggesting the NFL has done that. I'm just saying <laughs> if you You're were not? if you were a Ravens fan, then? let's say you're a Ravens what, fan. What are you how doing? happy are you that this is the referee uh, said to do the game? Probably not that happy. Um, I didn't I didn't make up the numbers. No, I know I, I know you didn't make up the numbers. You, you're giving them credence. I, I think that. Well, um, I'm, I'm just mentioning them yeah, because they're out there. It's a quite a coincidence. It is quite a coincidence. You think he's affected by that reality he knows the numbers are you think um, it'll affect the way he approaches sunday no i i think what i think what you do if you i think there are officials that are going to be uh going out of their way to be fair so you're really you know breaking your your arse to make sure that you're fair mm-hmm. there are other guys that get that you know not as good maybe that are influenced by the home crowd and are influent don't want to get booed and uh, I'm right. just saying you know it depends on personality I don't know these these are the numbers that these people are talking about which are pretty significant um, I, am I accusing the league of cheating in no way I'm just saying if I'm if I'm at if I'm a, a fan of a team and I find out that they've sent in an official who's more likely to be fair than be influenced by the crowd, I'm not happy about it. Those numbers wouldn't do much for me. Right, they wouldn't. They and they're out there. They definitely wouldn't they're do much there. for you if, you if you believe that officials can be influenced by those things. You definitely would find a reason to be concerned if you yeah. were looking for one. Yep. I don't know that it will factor into the outcome, but it's something to keep an eye on. Um. According to again, this is uh, this is Warren Sharp on Twitter. He says that Smith over the last three years, thirty four point eight percent more penalties on the home team than the away team, or on the home team than the visiting team. Penalize the home team thirty five percent more. Yes, over three what years. Of time? Three years. It's hmm. a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. So look, I mean. You know, I, I, they, they, they um, had this same information um, before the, I think the guy did the divisional playoff game. Um, How's that compared to like the best officials or the people considered the best in the, well, in the league? These are the best officials. I mean, you don't, you, I mean, you, I would think though, by the time you get it, to this point in the season, you but are the, sending the, in people I, I you guess, believe are the best officials. So if they're considered the best officials, then yes. doesn't that, kind of balance any concerns that there's some sort of bias implied here? I, I All I'm telling you is what the numbers break down to be. I, I'm not saying that the fix is in or anything like that. I'm just telling you this guy and his crew tend to call more penalties on the uh, the home team than the away team. 847, league definitely wants Swift at the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I got it. I got it. No, to it. Don't, wouldn't, wouldn't you? I'm not saying the fix is in. I'm saying you got an official here <laughs> who may call. If, if you see some plays, if you f- come out of it thinking, wow. You just questioned his credibility. I did not. I just read the statistics from somebody who put together a story on it. It's a very interesting set of numbers. Am I, am I pointing something? I'm just No, I believe you. I shared those with you, I believe. That's right. 
Shared them with you too, David. Did you? Yeah, I must have missed that. Did, where'd you send them? <laughs> you want me to give you out your email address? No, no I don't want to you to everybody? give out my email address. Everybody. They can already reach you in many other ways. You want I, another way for them I, to they reach have plenty, you? They got plenty of ways to reach me. I'm not worried about that. All right, let's get to the phone line. It's just something to consider, and I don't know why I'm being accused of claiming the fixes in if I'm reading something that was sent to me. 312, go, go check out, there's a story in the Kansas City Star. How's that? 312-644-6767. Mark is in Elmhurst. Hey, Mark. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, uh, two quick things. I always tend to root for a team. In this, uh, I'm going to root for the Lions only because they've never won it before. I, I always go for one of those teams. And number two, and I'm going to go in and listen to your answer, um, why haven't I heard about the scenario of drafting Williams and keeping Fields, Justin Fields? Why not do that? You guys haven't talked about that one at we, all. Oh, we have talked about yeah, it. Yeah, we've no, talked we, about it. We've yeah. talked about it a few times, and it's been it's been mentioned by other people, you know, the idea being that, you know, don't rush a quarterback onto the field. The thing is, if you're, if you're drafting a guy number one overall, if you're um, using – that kind of a draft pick. I mean, if you if you were to take a quarterback at 20, then you could keep a guy and then trade him at the trade deadline, whatever. But um, I, I think that it's different when it's the number one pick in the draft and, and you're more likely to want to see that guy play right away and he's more likely to be ready to play right away. Um, C.J. Stroud, a good example. He was the second player taken in the draft and had a great year and led his team uh, to the playoffs. Yeah, it just doesn't show a, a ton of confidence in either option. And if you have a chance to, you know, use that pick at another position, it, then you would keep your quarterback and, and, and trade it and then load up. That would be the rationale that you would definitely um, – that, that's been offered and they haven't they haven't ruled that out yet. So, But I, I don't know about having uh, – Caleb Williams and Justin Fields on the same roster makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's try Jared. He's on the road. Hi, Jared. First time, long time. Uh, I wanted to uh, talk about Brock Purdy, uh, the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. More specifically, Brock Purdy. I think we need to dispel this idea that Brock Purdy is a game manager at this point. The guy's performed extremely well, and I had my reservations about him mm -hmm. up until this point. He's had two consecutive years being in the NFC Championship game, which is impressive enough, especially for being you know, Mr. Irrelevant. I wanted to see if he would do better than any of the quarterbacks that played in the Shanahan system. We saw likes of Garoppolo. We saw Nick Mullins. We saw them you know, make a reach for Trey Lance to try to support the system yep. and grow in there. Brock Purdy has outplayed every single one of them in the, in this short amount of time that he's played. And I understand that there's a narrative about the weapons that he has. And these players that he's playing with are all pro caliber players. And I won't uh, not, I won't, I, I cannot acknowledge that. Right. But you look at every major statistical category that this kid is in, he's in top five in every single one. And I think one thing that dispels the game manager tag is that also he drives the ball down the field. He, throws it down the field he's looking to make plays which game managers don't really do they look to take, take the easy exit valve they look to just manage the offense get a field but this guy's creating plays and i think he is the difference maker for this niners team the closest guy to ever play as well as he did was garoppolo in that super bowl year but if you look at what purdy's doing now 
this this notion that he is a game manager should go away at this point because he's done everything he needs to to prove it. I love the story of the Lions going to the NFC Championship game, but I think they're going to run into a bit of a buzzsaw here. Hmm. And I don't I don't think it's going to be a particularly close game. I think this game is going to show what Brock Purdy is really capable of on a big stage. I know last week was rough against Green Bay, but he did outplay Jordan Love in the second half of that game. And it showed what I think it showed his worth that he was able to play from behind and come back and win that game. Um, Thanks, Jared. Yeah, Jared. To to uh, to your point, the they announced uh, yesterday the most valuable player finalist. The award will be uh, given out on February eighth at the NFL Awards uh, prior to the Super Bowl. But the the players up for that award include Lamar Jackson, as we've talked about. Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Josh Allen, and Dak Prescott. Those are the five players that are that will one of those five will win the MVP award. Now who's not on that list? Mahomes. That's a very Brock interesting Purdy in the list. Mahomes not. And so think about that for a moment, if you will. Well, give him credit. He has ascended this year, but his last time out, he looked a little shaky. I'm reacting as much to that as anything. But he's got an opportunity on Sunday. He can remove all the doubts forever and shed that label for good that he is a game manager. I mean, the guy missing from that list should be on that list every year. Every year? Every year. Can you imagine Jordan not being an NBA MVP finalist? This is that kind of omission. That's a remarkable omission, really. It is. It is. And that's due respect to Brock Purdy. Right. But, ah. I, yeah, I lo- love the story, but little bit, I'm a little bit cautious here because I just don't think that until he removes the doubt once and for all on Sunday that I'm not going to wonder if he's capable of stepping up in a, in a big moment like this one. It's a, it's a great point. It's just as simple as that. He's in his second year. He's done great, but can he do it at the biggest moment? That's how you judge people. All right. We're uh, we're gonna bring in a Dan and Lawrence. Is that right? No, no, Who no. Is it? We're gonna talk uh, more about the playoffs and Sunday. Oh, Let us know I what do? you think about Brock Purdy, right. Steve Stone at nine o'clock. Yeah. We can review and then Dan and Lawrence. All right, Thank another you. hour. Good God, Mully and Hall on the score. Yeah, I mean, our scouts do a great job. I think of Joe Ortiz going back and scouting Roquan back at Georgia. You know, those are all in the reports. You know, so you kind of you knew what kind of a guy you were getting for sure. And then you saw him. at Chicago and how he conducted himself and how he played, uh, but you never know until guys hear exactly how it's going to fit in you know in your chemistry and uh, it's definitely been right. You know it's definitely been perfect fit, perfect match. He's just been himself and uh, uh, you know he was he was always a Raven. He just didn't know until he got here, I guess, to quote the great Steve Smith. You know, so uh, it's been a great fit. I think he does make everybody around him better. To your point, the greatest players tend to do that, right? Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. Wow. That is Jim Harbaugh talking about Roquan Smith. He was a Raven before he got here. I I think that is a uh, – It's a shot. Well, it's – I don't know that it's a shot. It's a, I think uh, we take it as you, one. You definitely take it as one here because he was a bear, a good bear. He was a bear before, before he was a Raven. Be, but, b- before they traded him. And before they, dare I say, made a mistake in trading him? Well, that's a good question. I'm wondering that. Dustin raising his hands for those on the Twitch stream. 
saying that, what are you talking about, Haw? Well, well uh, I, I think that you could say it was maybe a little hasty in trading Roquan Smith. Would they be in the position they are right now if they hadn't traded them? They swapped out one for the other. They swapped out. They traded. They, they signed. Uh, the, they, the money they allocated to Tremaine Edmonds was uh, under the salary or the investment in Roquan Smith. No, what I'm saying is they traded Roquan and they traded Robert Quinn, and then they went down, okay. down, down, Lakers going down, yeah. and they wound up with the first overall pick. And they got DJ Moore, and they got this year's that's a f- first that, That's a fair pick. point to make. That That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like, we, we admire the amount of uh, assets that they got out of that trade. They would never have been able to make that trade if Roquan had stayed because I don't think they would have bottomed out. That is true. In the way they did. That is true. So is this. I think. Did they trade Roquan Smith with that in mind? Um, Or did they trade Roquan Smith because they took it personally that they couldn't negotiate a contract that was, they felt was, was commensurate with what his ability was. That's a very fair point. And they, they weren't willing to pay him the amount of money the Ravens were and that, and they, they traded him and the Ravens, when they, when they traded for him, knew they were going to give him that money and they were going to keep him. Um, I think that's a really good point. But wasn't it – because wasn't it Justin Jones at the end of the season who talked about how they knew when they traded – when they made those moves that they weren't going to be able to win? I know. but So I, that I, was I, part of the bottoming I, out. It was part of it. But I don't know, was that by design or coincidence? Because – if you're Ryan Poles, did you say, I'm going to trade these two guys because I want to get the number one overall pick so I can do with it what I want? Or was it, I'm going to trade Roquan Smith because he wants a $100 million contract that only it, uh, it someone felt, else who values the position is going to give him? It, it felt like the Roquan thing when he didn't have an agent. It felt like that got personal. It did. It, it really did I know. feel that way. I agree. That's, what I, that's and, why I bristle a little bit because yes. I still consider it I don't want to say a mistake, but I do think that it always is bad practice if you let your personal feelings get in the way of your professional judgment. And I think general managers can't do that. And I think he did that. I I, I thought that Roquan was a good enough player to stay here for his career. He was a first-round draft pick, not by the new administration, but they had invested in him and brought him in here, and he was a really <laughs> good player. And I wasn't happy when he was traded. But I understood that they were trying to get bad. I I didn't. I don't think they traded him so they could bottom out. But they sure did bottom out after trading. They did. But they tried and to they, sign him in the preseason, so then, they wanted to keep him at one point. And then somehow Lovey won a game at the end of the year, and you wound up with the number and, one overall pick, and, which you and, traded. And the Texans really ended up with C.J. Stroud, and it's and well, everybody lives happily ever and, after. And and that's Great. a really good point, David, because if you had not. If you had not traded him, would you have wound up with the second pick? Would you then have wound up with C.J. Stroud, who wasn't the first quarterback? Did you wait long enough to evaluate the quarterbacks to see what was there to be seen with C.J. Stroud? That's a good point. Or did you move quickly because you knew you were going to – You're always going to wonder the answer to. I just don't – I know this. Roquan Smith, the linebacker we're going to watch on Sunday, yes, is an all-pro linebacker who is worth $100 million over five years the way that we 
who believe that in Chicago maintain. And the, he's, in the words of Lamar Jackson, he brought the Ray Lewis juice back to the generation of Ravens fans. Well, I mean, the reality was he was always a Baltimore Raven, they, even when he was in college. Okay, John. That's what John says. Not a Georgia Bulldog, not a Chicago Bear. Always a Raven. Once a Raven, yeah. always a Raven. Even if only in my own mind. Uh, all right, we got Stoney next. We're going to talk to Steve Stone. He's got a new partner. There's going to be a South Loop uh, Stadium built within the next week. Well, there's so much next going week. on. Next yeah, week. No? They're breaking ground on Monday. How quickly can they get to <laughs> Let's it? Let's get to that. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. I'm bringing energy. I bring preparation. Also, to be able to work with Steve Stone was a huge selling point for me because this guy has worked with the best in the business. He is, I think, one of the best analysts in the business as a legend. And getting to know him this past Sunday over dinner, like we just hit it off. And, and I think it's going to be pretty smooth transition to working with him on a daily basis because he has so much knowledge that I'm like, Steve, look, I just want to be your point guard. I'm just going to throw it up at the rim. I'm going to give you the easiest alley you can ever have because the knowledge you have, I want you to start dropping nuggets and be able to give fans something to take away from every game. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. That is the voice of the new TV voice of the Chicago White Sox. That's John Schifrin, and uh, he'll be working with the great Steve Stone, and we're delighted to welcome Stoney to the show. He joins us now on the the score hotline powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Steve, good morning. How are you? I'm very good. In for a couple of days, uh, there's no blizzard, so that part (laughs) of it's really good. Uh, and after uh, after they informed us that the plane did not work on the way here, the they couldn't start the engine, and I figured it was much better if this happened at the gate as opposed to in the air. But after a, a three-and-a-half to four-hour delay, I was able finally to get into Chicago where uh, where we're having an abbreviated Sox Fest this weekend. But it's, uh, it's kind of exciting because um, – uh, Getting a new partner is always an interesting transition, and uh, we certainly uh, wish Jason the best of luck uh, with the Tigers. I'm sure the people in Detroit are going to love him, and I think the folks here in Chicago are going to like John Schriffen. Yeah, Steve, welcome to town. The weather is agreeable. At least it's not so cold like it was last weekend. So tell us about the dinner you had with John Schriffen, and tell us about what Sox fans can expect from somebody who – might be relatively new, but made a very good first impression when he was on the station yesterday afternoon. Well, I think a couple of different things. Number one, uh, he's done just about every different sport, which doesn't really affect baseball fans when he's going to do baseball. But he has done he has done uh, top of the line baseball. He's sat in a, a couple of times on Sunday Night Baseball, ESPN, when uh, when Boog Shambi uh, was not available, and so he he did top-of-the-line baseball, uh, I think he has an engaging personality, and I think that's going to come out, especially as he gets uh, used to the new surroundings. And one of the things that I told him during the the meeting, I, I said, you know, if if you are fortunate to be the guy that's chosen, 
you're going to be working with a great crew because uh, having worked with a lot of different people in a lot of different cities, uh, all the people that get together to put on this broadcast on NBC Sports Chicago uh, are just, they're conscientious, top-of-the-line folks, whether it's the engineers, the sound guys, uh, our uh, our producer, our director. Uh, it's just uh, these are guys that want to put on the best product, and I think John's going to be pretty well impressed when he sees how things are put together here in Chicago. So I'm very excited about uh, about him coming to town. Uh, I, I think uh, because he hasn't worked uh, with one specific local team, he's not really branded yet. I think that branding is going to come as a Chicago White Sox broadcaster, and I'm looking forward to that. Plus, I, I'm looking forward to uh, watching his personality develop as he moves along. So I have no doubt he's going to be very enthusiastic. He's going to be well-prepared, and uh, the rest of it's going to come as uh, as he does more games under the banner of the Chicago White Sox. And it's going to be uh, interesting to, um, I was saying to David, you know, when you're broadcasting games, like you're sitting in my living room, we're all watching the game together, Steve. It's one of the things I I love about what you do because you can just sit there and you're telling me what's going on and I'm appreciating all that uh, you can offer. And he says he's going to kind of stay out of the way of the game and, and let you tell us what's going on. And, uh, you know, the idea of being a point guard, is, it's a good it's – a, it's a very healthy way of approaching his job. Well, look, I, I, I think it's uh, – both of us are incumbent on each other to bring the best out of each other in every broadcast. And it's completely different, and, and I think – um, you know, being a smart guy, you, they don't let you into Dartmouth unless you have a modicum of intelligence, and I think he certainly has that. Uh, I, I think that um, what what will happen is that personality and his abilities will come out and only get refined. And, you know, it's not a question of him consistently uh, sitting back because the play-by-play guy is the guy that's going to give you the direction of the broadcast and then uh, he's going to bring the analyst, in this case me, into it, you know, whenever he sees fit. But uh, the main thing is I think it's going to be a really good partnership that's only going to develop. And I, I think that um, – and I told him, look, here's the situation, and you guys know this as every White Sox fan knows it. Last year was terribly disappointing, and the team just didn't do real well in, in almost every category you need to excel in baseball. But that doesn't mean this team is relegated to do that again this year. So although we realize that coming off a terrible season where this team is not rated like the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, they're going to have their tough ball games. It's going to be not as easy as a team you know, that's going to win 95 games a year. But it's going to be something that you can build on as your team develops. And I think that that's what's going to happen with this White Sox team. I, I think that a lot of people with dire predictions of what's going to happen this year, I don't tell you they're going to win the division because uh, quite obviously there's a lot of work to be done before that happens. But I will tell you the team itself is going to have a different look. And I talked with uh, with Pedro Grafal at length last night. This is one of our, our first, the first of two of the get-togethers we're going to have in this abbreviated Sox Fest. And Pedro realizes that there was a lot of things that didn't happen the way he wanted them to happen last year. 
and he feels that uh, given uh, almost a, a brand new uh, block of, of clay to mold, that he's going to be able to do a, a, a job this year that he wasn't able to do last year. So I'm looking forward to it. I want to see him in spring training. I want to see all the new additions, and there's a lot of them. I want to see how they come together as a team. So during this abbreviated Sox Fest, Steve, how will mm-hmm. you articulate your feelings about the news that the Sox are exploring the idea of a ballpark at uh, Clark and Roosevelt and the, the patch of land called the 78, and it's in the South Loop, and it's exciting for a lot of Sox fans. The news was last week. What do you think about that, and where can you uh, tell us that uh, if the project is is proceeding, where it is? Well, certainly the uh, the Sox and Jerry Reinsdorf would love to see uh, a new stadium. We know the deficiencies of the old stadium, although it's been, you know, it's been a nice place to play baseball. I think for the fans, uh, they should rest assured that in a brand new ballpark, the food is going to come over. The the food, which I think is some of the best food in baseball. Uh, at the ballpark uh, is going to translate to another park. I, I think you'll have all of the advantages of a brand-new ballpark, the way it's designed, and the way things are in the newer parks now. Uh, players have a lot more opportunities to uh, to take advantage of both the physical aspect, the mental aspect of, of competition, getting ready for a season, mm-hmm. all of the brand-new things that uh, that new stadiums have that the Sox don't have in their stadium now. So I, I think it's kind of exciting. And, you know, everybody is waiting to see, will this eventually be the piece of land that the, uh, you know, that the stadium is going to be built on? I think they probably will get a new one. I think for so many people who were, you know, uh, feeling kind of insecure that the team is going to leave town, the team is not going to leave town. And so uh, uh, I, I think the, the new stadium would be ideal. I think it is exciting. I'd like to see as we move further along to see the details of it, but I don't know any details. I've seen the renderings like just about everybody else. It looks like it's going to be gorgeous if it comes to fruition. Um, What do you make of how they're going to look on the field? They've changed out a lot of different positions. They're still, you know, I guess guess Pedro Cafol said that they're going to start um, Dylan Cease on opening day, he projects him as the opening day starter, which is good news because it means he's still with the team. But we don't know how long he's going to be with the team, given everything that has been rumored uh, out there. Um, wh- what are your projections? I know Zips didn't think a lot of them, but looking at what they have and their quest to get better defense, how will this translate to the season? Well, Molly, that's that's exactly what um, Chris gets and his staff. The first thing they're going to bring to the organization is um, the desire to have some people consistently catch the baseball. I think that's really important, and this will be a better defensive team than it's been in the last couple of years because it hasn't been particularly good. So uh, I think the emphasis on that is going to help the pitching staff. And there's going to be no end of candidates to who winds up in the rotation. And I think that that's, uh, that's one thing that I will look forward to seeing how the pitching shakes out. I think there, there is a lot of candidates for that rotation, but quite obviously if, uh, if Dylan Cease is still around and I anticipate that he will be, 
um, he is going to get the opening day start and should because he deserves it. I know last year was a down year, but it was a down year for a lot of people. But I hearken back to a couple of years ago when Dylan was one of the most dominant pitchers around. I think the new pitching coordination uh, with Brian Bannister around, I think it's going to help a lot of the pitchers rediscover what they did when they were doing it well. And you go back to a couple of years ago when Dylan Cease had the unhittable slider. It was consistent just about every time out he knew he was going to have it. And last year, for whatever reason, um, he lost the ability to consistently throw it for strikes. And because of that, the wipeout pitch was gone, and he did strike out still a whole lot of people. However, he was using an inordinate amount of pitches to do that. And the Sox don't need Dylan Cease at the 100-pitch mark in the fifth inning. So getting some early outs will be a brand-new idea of attacking the hitter, which I think Dylan is going to go after this year. Uh, The inexplicable loss of the slider last year and getting behind a whole lot of people and using up a lot of pitches, I think that that – that took him out of a lot of games earlier than the Sox would like to see him out of games. So uh, I want to see how the the rotation shakes out in spring training. But I think a better defense is going to help that. And then they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to limit the runs they give up because this is not going to be an offensive powerhouse. Although it looks like they'll be better offensively than they were last year. Steve, why is Dylan C still here? If you are a team that's going to be relying on prospects and wants to rebuild your farm system, and if you are a franchise in an organization that typically doesn't sign ace pitchers to long-term deals, why would you not be motivated to move him this offseason or maybe more likely before the deadline? Is that a fair question? Oh, I think any question, David, is a fair question. And I think the answer is pretty simple in that um, let's say that you have – uh, a very valuable baseball card. Let's say you have the Honus Wagner baseball card in your pocket, and you're saying to me, I would like to sell this to you or to anybody else who's around, you know, who's going to give me what it is that I want. You put a value on that card, and you say to me, I would like to sell this to you. You, let's say, being the Baltimore Orioles because of their organization and because of who they have coming up. And you say, ideally, your organization fits with mine. Ideally, you would like to hand me this card. However, I'm not going to give you what you think that card is worth. doesn't mean I won't give it to you a month from now. It just means right today, the value that you're putting on that card, I can't give you or I won't give you. And that is the case in the Dylan Cease uh, sweepstakes because I do believe that Dylan will be traded. However, um, I'm kind, of ho- I'm kind of hoping that he's not traded for quite some time. And the reason is if they don't trade him, that means that things started off pretty well for the Sox, that they're having a pretty decent year and they want to hold on to Dylan Cease. It also means that whoever it is that you're asking, and certainly one would be the Yankees, certainly one would be Baltimore, but you're not excluding everybody else. You're saying to these teams, if you want him, here's the asking price. And Chris Getz and his staff has an asking price for every one of the teams that's involved in the Dylan C sweepstakes. And so, you know, where they might want a a couple of the really good young guys for Baltimore and Baltimore says, nah, I'm not quite ready to do it yet. Maybe if Baltimore doesn't get off to that rip roaring start, maybe if they're sitting there in contention, as we get closer to the trade deadline, maybe all of a sudden it changes and they'll add one or two of those guys that you might want. And that's what the Sox are waiting for. Will they trade Dylan Cease? Yes, of course they will. 
However, they're not going to make it a bargain basement sale. They're going to hold out because they don't have to move him. He's under control two more years. That's an enviable position to be in. Yeah, um, I'm very curious um, what their grand plan is. You know what I mean? Like we talked a little bit about um, Luis Robert Jr. And whether or not if you're getting rid of players, and I don't mean getting rid of, but whether you're trying to improve, does he belong on this team? Now he's a young guy. He's a great player. I don't want to see him leave, but I listen to people talk about it and say, if you want to get better, he's your greatest asset. Well, this is this is my philosophy, not necessarily Chris's philosophy or his staff. My philosophy is there is no such thing as an untouchable player. Um, if you get the right package back, I think you can trade anybody. They don't want to trade Luis Robert. They are not actively shopping Luis Robert. But I'm pretty sure they're willing to listen to anybody who comes in and says, you know what, I really want him to be the cornerstone of my organization that I'm going to build, and I'm going to give you X, Y, and Z for him. All of a sudden, those are looking pretty good. And I would say, fine, move him. If you're not where you want to be as an organization, I don't think you have an untouchable. And you go back to the original, if Babe Ruth can be sold, you know, if Babe Ruth can go from Boston to the Yankees, two of the greatest, uh, you know, adversaries there are in baseball, if he can do that, anybody can be traded. And that's the philosophy that I would have. Again, they don't want to move him because they view him as a building block, and justifiably so. But with the right deal, I think you can pretty much say, uh, you know, hello to the people you get in return and goodbye to the people you're trading. I, I think that's a philosophy you have to have when you're in the building aspect of a team that you think has a lot of room for growth, and I think the Sox are that kind of team. Steve, where's your confidence level in Garrett Crochet as he makes a transition into the starting rotation? Ideally, 24-year-old lefty, still has a ton of potential, has had some injuries, and now Chris Getz says they want to try him in the rotation. Where's your confidence? Well, I think they're going to try to try a few different people in the rotation, but I don't think necessarily that Garrett is going to be locked into that rotation, especially off the top. You know, there, there was a very good team for many years that, that raised uh, a whole stable full of wonderful pitchers. And they are, and they were the Baltimore Orioles. And what they did with a lot of their pitchers, they put them in the bullpen first. I mean, Dennis Martinez threw a perfect game, won 245 games, came up with Baltimore, and became a wonderful pitcher, and he started out in the bullpen because that's where you can learn how to pitch without the pressure because you can be inserted into situations that don't have much pressure if you're a pensman. You can't do that if you're a starting pitcher. So I don't rule out Garrett Crochet being a starter. I think eventually he's probably ticketed for that. But right now I'm not sure exactly if that's where he's going to start. He could. But who knows? There's there's a, there's a few different uh, candidates for the rotation, and it could very well be that uh, Kopech and uh, and Crochet wind up at least for the start, starting out of the bullpen and see what happens. Because one of the advantages that you have in this day and age of baseball, if you have that multi-inning guy out of your pen, that guy that can go two or three innings consistently out of your bullpen. That's a huge advantage on the rest of the pen and, to a certain extent, the starting rotation. So with a couple of guys like that in the pen to start at least, 
it might be a, an advantageous situation. Thanks so much, Steve. Appreciate your time and uh, and best of luck over the weekend. Thanks, Steve. Okay, guys, we will be talking quite a bit. I'm pretty sure as we move along, and uh, let's see how exciting it'll get this year. Take care. Have a good rest of the show. Thanks so much. That's Steve Stone, the scores baseball expert. Good stuff. Interesting. And you did roll your eyes when he said Michael Kopech in the starting rotation. Um, and I think did it's, I a, really? it's a justifiable. Oh, people on Twitch saw it. I oh. saw it. Everyone saw it. I, you know what? It's it's understandable. Um, I, I I think lack they of got, patience. I think they kind of have one pitcher, right? I mean, I'm, I don't know about Fatty. See, I don't know yeah. about um, you know, who's the other guy they picked up? Zavala, whatever the guy's name is. I, I the Sox man. Soroka. It's, it's Soroka. Yeah. That's who I was thinking of. Tukey. I'm just the, the, the Sox pitching yeah. situation makes you want to talk about the new ballpark. There you go. <laughs> makes me want to build it. When we come back, Molly, the, the Bears have a quarterback's coach. Oh, they, they have, have hired They somebody. have hired a quarterback's coach, and we'll talk about him. Breaking we- news on the score. We'll tell you about him next. Molly and Hawn score. Molly and Hawn got you ready for the conference championship games this weekend with experts' analysis from former Bears head coach Dave Wanstead. You know, Kyle Shanahan, I think, is going to – that, that staff there, they're going to be – Together, they're, they're going to be calm. I, I think they're going to handle the emotions a little bit better than Detroit. This Baltimore defense, Baltimore, I think, is the most complete team. I would take Baltimore in this game. NFL Network reporter, Stacey Dale. Wait, they all have great defenses, too. I mean, Detroit, Baltimore's defense is incredible. San Francisco's defense is incredible. And Kansas City, this is the best defense they've ever had, that Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes has ever had. So it's, it's going to be really, really interesting to see who heads to the Super Bowl after next weekend. NFL insider Mike Florio. I had Chiefs 49ers in the Super Bowl back before week one. So what I'm going to struggle with this week, now that my two Super Bowl teams are on the brink of making it, do I just ride them the rest of the way? Or do I say, well, I kind of like what Detroit's got going on, or I kind of like what the Ravens have going on. So I got two more days to think about it. Former football coach. Charlie Weiss. Well, although Andy Reid's my guy, and I root for Andy Reid, I think the Ravens, right now, they look like the best team. 105 The Fan Midday Host in Baltimore, Vinny Serrato. I, I think Ravens Niners again is what I think. Bet MGM Hawks great, Chris Chelios. If I'm taking a team, I'm going to take KC, and I, you know, I'm still going to take Detroit just because I'm betting with my heart. Jared Payton. I have a hard time betting against Patrick Mahomes, but there's something about Lamar. That Ravens team just seems balanced. I think I'm going to go with the Ravens. And the other game, the Lions have been the more balanced team all year long. As much as I think that everybody thinks they're going to get blown out, Brock Purdy, to me, is still the wild card in that. Nick Costas. Maybe the Ravens blow them out. It's possible. I'm willing to live with that result, guys. I'll take Kansas City plus the points. I'm going to pick the Lions to win on Sunday in San Francisco. Chicago Tribune Bears beat reporter Brad Biggs. I think Baltimore is going to win, guys. 49ers are going to be a really tough out for them. I I think San Francisco takes care of business. Joe Fortenbaugh. Love the Ravens here. Probably love them too much. I have it four and a half. I'd lay the four. Really like Baltimore in this game. I like the Niners. Niners open six and a half, move to seven. Market's now moving to seven and a half. So if you can get the seven, play the seven. From WXYT on 97.1, the ticket, Detroit.
Mike Valenti. You got to be pretty cold-hearted not to, you know, kind of rally up a little. I know they're a division rival. It's like being angry that some homeless guy won a free bed. You can't be mad at him. He's sleeping <laughs> on the street for 20 years. Mullin Haw and your reactions to the conference championship games this weekend on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Oh, yeah, this is going to be fun this weekend in the championship games, and it's going to be fun watching the Bears put a staff together. Yes, it is. Both In both cases, you're exactly right, Mully. The games will be fun, and the Bears have a new quarterbacks coach. He is Kerry Joseph, according to Tom Pelissero. Kerry Joseph has been with the Seahawks and Shane Waldron, for the last couple years, he came to the Seahawks staff in 2020, has worked on Waldron's staff for the last two seasons as a quarterback's coach, and now he joins the Bears, former CFL quarterback in NFL safety. So right. he played safety for the Seahawks uh, in the late 90s, and then he went up to Canada and had a career as a quarterback on the other side of the ball. Versatile guy, valuable to Shane Waldron, and he will be the – position coach for whoever the Bears choose to play the position next season. Breaking news on 670 The Score is presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. Uh, interesting background there. He, uh, Kerry Joseph was the, was the reserve, the backup, uh, I guess the assistant quarterbacks coach the last two seasons in Seattle, and he will come here uh, with Shane Waldron, we had a story earlier that uh, that the guy who was currently a quarterbacks coach opted. He turned down a wide receiver. Sanjay Lal was the Seahawks assistant coach who was in the mix to be the Bears wide receiver coach. Dan Wiederer tweets out that he has decided to explore opportunities elsewhere, which does raise the question, and I think it's a legitimate one. Will coaches be reluctant to come to Chicago because they might wonder about the job security and the longevity of a Matt Eberflus? Sanjay, by the way, is hilarious. It was a lol joke. <laughs> no, spelled differently. S A N J A Y. S A N J A Y. Yeah, but what's his last name? L A L. Okay, I was. Doing L-O-L. L-O-L, yeah. Lal. Sanjay Lal, yeah. He is not in the mix any longer. <laughs> All right. It's okay. Let's not punish ourselves over it. But, uh, yeah, that's good. You know, I, I mean, what a wild career to be a, a a safety in the NFL and then a quarterback in the Canadian. Yeah, league. Kerry Joseph has his uh, yeah. work cut out for him or a, a gr- exciting new challenge, depending on who you're – yeah. Coaching, you are either inheriting right. Justin Fields and trying to resuscitate his career. Is that the right way to put um, it? Not, I, not, I don't know. Not resuscitate. I, does he need resuscitation? I think if he stays in Chicago, he's going to have to okay. reframe it. Okay. And that's he fair. did that with Geno Smith. I think that's the experience that you well, like. That's good experience. Geno Smith became the NFL Comeback Player of the Year last season, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Uh, in 2022. And certainly, Kerry Joseph was part of that. Or. You get to coach, be the position coach for the number one overall pick in the draft. And Caleb Williams, if he's the guy, his development is in your hands. So that's a big, very big job and a very big challenge. And if you do it well, you're going to get a lot of respect and attention for it. 
Um, Dustin says that um, that Justin Fields built like a safety, so maybe that could work. Who knows? Maybe you know, depending on who you draft, he'll put a hat on someone. <laughs> Justin Fields is put together pretty well. That would be a good fit, Harry yeah. Joseph and Justin Fields. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I don't. I don't know um, enough about him to. Um, to say there's a great hire or a bad hire. I, I look forward to meeting all these people look, and getting uh, their background. It's an interesting background story for Kerry Joseph. You give your coordinators the latitude to bring in people who speak the same language. Exactly. If you're trying to you know, teach a system and teach a new language and verbiage and all those things, then it helps to have somebody who is familiar, who knows your work habits, who knows a lot about you. Luke Getze had his Andrew Janoco, and certainly now Shane Waldron has has Kerry Joseph, and they will join a staff that's already has a tight ends coach, already has an offensive line coach. Now they need a wide receivers coach, and uh, we'll see where they go for that. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Mark is on the road. Hey, Mark. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Sure. And uh, just so you know, I'm from out that from that area. That's why I'm calling. But I live in Iowa now. So I, uh, so I, I saw Brock Purdy play all of his years at ISU. And yeah. when I see this guy play, he's like his last, we'll call it year and a half, basically. He played like his freshman and sophomore years when he's playing. Like his coordinators were different after, if I remember after his junior year, I cannot remember. But that coordinator's not there no more. So when I look at what the way Brock Purdy's playing right now, he's playing like he did when he was and he doesn't have to do everything. Now, yeah, when you take Debo out of the game and stuff like that, then he starts having a little bit of problems where he's got to do a little bit more. But when you look at his last drive and that last game, you know, he was on he was on fire. I mean, he just he was connecting. I think he went what 6 or 7. I can't I'm not exactly sure on that stat, but and and he even ran it at one time where I thought he was going to go in the end zone, but he went down early. So, I see that you know, I want – I'm not a 49ers guy because, you know, bear down, baby. I mean, yeah, I'm a Bears guy, but I'm an ISU house too. So, I, I'm I'm rooting for Brock Purdy. Not the 49ers, but Brock Purdy. That's you fair. Know, I, it, yeah. I, I mean, we have our reasons for cheering for whomever we, we want. I think that, um, again, Debo took part in practice. We'll find out come game time they believe he's going to play and how efficient he will be or mm-hmm. how much he can do yep. if he's more uh, of a guy you're kind of using as a decoy or if he can actually be a good uh, one. play like himself. He'd be a good one. Yeah, he's a heck of a he player. He changes your offensive no running game and passing game. You know, Brock Purdy, let's face it, a year ago at this time, he was the best story of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who was Mr. Irrelevant. Now he was suddenly in a, uh, Mr. Relevant. And forced he was gonna, onto the field. Forced and, on. He, yeah. he was going to lead the 49ers to the Super Bowl. What if he did that? That would be great. Now, a year later, he's not the best story in the playoffs. The Lions are. He's going up and try to ruin that story to make it not such a happy ending in Detroit. And I think there are questions surrounding Brock Purdy only because of the way he's raised expectations. Relatively speaking, the caller's right. You know, his college days and, you know, the fact that he's even on an NFL roster to begin with, great stuff. Great stuff. But now you're on the verge of a Super Bowl, and your last time out, you weren't so good. You had the drive that they remember. Before that, was he good? No. 
I mean, so I he's one of five guys up for an MVP. The NFL MVP has come down to five players, two of them on the Niners, him and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, obviously, Lamar Jackson's probably going to win it, and he's in the playoffs with the Ravens. But uh, other than that, you got Dak Prescott, and, uh, and and who was the fifth? It was another quarterback. Um, whatever. It's not Patrick Mahomes. So it's Josh Allen it's and Josh Dak Allen. and, yeah, and Josh Purdy. Allen. Yeah. So according to the uh, MVP voting, um, you would have to say that uh, Brock Purdy had a better season, greater than sign Patrick Mahomes. Okay. I, I I know that is the way you could de- what you could deduce from that, and I know that that's exactly what people will look at. Like, yes, he stopped picking on Brock Purdy because he's better than Patrick Mahomes this season, <laughs> which is this which, is the dumbest which, thing ever. Which is absurd. Stated. Yeah, and uh, and that's okay. Statistically, you could make that argument, and certainly he's in the right framework offensively to succeed. I think he's the fourth quarterback. Left? Among four this weekend, you have him greater than that I trust Jared Goff. I trust Jared Goff in this situation more than I do Brock Purdy. Wow, do okay. you not? Uh, I, you know, Jared but, Goff's very interesting because he made it to a Super Bowl and then was uh, abandoned by his team. They gave up two number ones along with him to get a guy who could win a Super Bowl with him. So, um, I don't know. I think I'm basing it on the last timeout. Okay. I, and maybe I'm being overly influenced by what the Packers made Brock Purdy look like in the first half, which was like a very pedestrian game manager. I would just say in the future, let's just have Patrick Mahomes re- remain in MVP voting all the way through. In, per- in perpetuity? It, yes. Yes. For as long as he's going to play, okay. keep him on that list. If you got to take somebody out, you know, maybe don't have two guys from the Well, what does the award mean? If you're talking about the value and the most valuable player to his team in the league, yeah, he's got to be on it every year. Yeah, absolutely. Every year. Yeah. Where are the Chiefs without Patrick Patrick Mahomes? They're not not preparing for an AFC championship game. They're not shining up any rings. I guarantee you that. They don't win those rings. And, uh, look, I mean, I, I, I get it. You know, they've got guys on that team that uh, are very decorated players, and you can argue whether Kelsey is a Hall of Famer in the future and et cetera. But but that's the player. Patrick Mahomes is greater than all quarterbacks. I mean, he's the Jordan of the NFL. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean he's going to beat Lamar. doesn't mean he's going to get past uh, one of the great balanced teams. Although, you know, we talked about the officials. Don't bring that up, though, because that sounds like you're saying the game's fixed, so uh, they have to find a Super Bowl spot for Taylor Swift. She she could uh, sing with Usher if it meant that much. Oh, he her. won't be sharing stage. No, I don't think he wants to do that. He's got, what, 19 minutes. He's going to take advantage of that. Every one of those Plus, she'll minutes. be tired and jet-lagged if she's at the Super Bowl. She'll be coming from Tokyo where, where, where she will be performing that weekend. Is that right? Yeah. Super Bowl weekend, she's in Tokyo. Yep, she's in Tokyo. How do you know this? You follow. Yeah. I talked Swift? about it on Tuesday. You just uh, you just listening now. I I, I heard you, David. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you I, I know you don't read Jeez. my stories that I email. You didn't I heard, email me that story. I, I went hear, back and did I, a search. You did not email me I any story. You. I hear you. You didn't email me. Sorry, anything. Sorry, sometimes I like 
you know, I, you know out when you mention I, I, I'm just here for my own time. amusement. That's okay. Well, Dustin says that he's no longer emailing any stories because we're not using them enough and we don't acknowledge him enough. He's getting a little bit over his skis about this stuff. You know, we have nothing but love and respect for you, Dustin. I don't know why you don't hear it in our voices. Because we say it and you consider it empty praise, but you're a great man altogether. Uh, I saw I saw Layla here. Layla's here. Layla, Dan is out of town. It's Dan's Layla out of town. and Lawrence. Wow, that's awesome. We'll talk to Layla and Lawrence next. It's Mully and Haw on the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 